BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special Super J cast today. I'm Joel, joined by Damon McDonald as always. It is Saturday the 10th of June 2023. This is episode 262 and in the spirit of ProRes collaboration this year, we are all together with a very special guest here. We have Paul joining us from the Voices of Wrestling very own Emerald Flow Show. Welcome to the show, Paul. Ah, thank you, Joel. And just like in the spirit of cooperation, I'm fully well and uh, ready to just lay down and stare at the lights for three seconds until I come back months later to be the ace in the biggest tournament of the year. <laughs> I wouldn't be well, we did discuss this like behind the curtain about uh, what we were going to call this. Is this a Super J cast? Is this a, an Emerald Flow show? Is this a collaboration between the two? And I made the point, Damon, that if... Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya is in the Grade One Climax. Does that make it a collaboration with Noah? Sure. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And you're outnumbered here, Paul. So this you, this is Super J Cast territory. So yeah, I, well, this turned into a handicap match. Like originally, it was supposed to be all four of us, but unfortunately, Gerard couldn't make it. So now I have to like be the valiant babyface and fight two on one here. 
Ah, uh-huh, no, no fake. I, I, can I make a suggestion? Can we go with? Uh, how about we do Super Flow Show? Huh? Ooh, yeah, huh? that sounds good. Super yeah. Flow Show. Yeah, Super Flow Cast. Yeah, I yeah. like it. That's why. That's why. Uh, I'm, but I'm, where is Where is Gerard? Is it? Is he? gone the same way as Shuji Ishikawa has he been having too much sex <laughs> I mean maybe uh, not, not to go too much into his personal life but like he did get a girlfriend recently oh, so oh. a new girlfriend recently so I, I don't know if this is related to that the sex <laughs> he, he literally just said he, he unfortunately wouldn't have time uh, at all on the weekend so maybe it's related to that maybe it's something else but I'm sure it's got hopefully it's gonna be something fun I tell you what, I I, I had to uh, rearrange my schedule, guys. Uh, but oddly enough, none of it had to do with sex. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> actually, same for me. I actually, in theory, if I wasn't here right now, I would be over with a couple of friends playing Star Wars D and D, which I think is about the most opposite thing of sex that could be ever. <laughs> I think you might be right. I think you might be right on that one. All right, what are, uh, Joel? Drive to, you got a you got a three man crew today. I don't know how you're going to manage it. I don't know how you're going to uh, juggle the production, but uh, this is this is why you get paid the big bucks. I do want to start by uh, before we get into the Japanese pro wrestling. Paul, you like me got a ticket for All In at Wembley, so I just wanted to touch base on that. Are you going to try and sell your ticket for face value? Or is that a bit too optimistic when the Adam Cole versus MJF main event is announced? I mean, that might be a bit optimistic. I mean, I have actually thought about if I actually want to like spend more money on a ticket and get a better ticket and sell my old ticket, which is good, but it's like the cheapest area on the floor. But oh, so you want to get like right up close to yeah, MJF versus Tiny Adam? Exactly. <laughs> I, I actually, okay, okay, here's the thing I actually like Adam Cole, I've always liked Adam Cole. So I I get why that's a matchup that people really aren't into, but I actually probably would be more into the Adam Cole side of that matchup than I would be the MJF side of that matchup. And I like MJF, but I think I think I I I don't know. There's something about Adam Cole that just really hits like that right spot for me. Well, uh, when Damon and I met in uh, New York in April 2019. We actually went to the NXT Takeover show, which was was that was headlined by the Gargano versus Adam Cole best ninety nine out of hundred, whatever the fuck they were doing, and <laughs> you know that would have been a great opportunity for Damon to be won over as an Adam Cole fan, but mm. we were right at the back, like literally the back row at the top of the arena, <laughs> and Adam Cole was so small, Damon couldn't even see him. <laughs> it just looked like Johnny Gargano was wrestling himself. We were very, we were very. I mean. Uh, I think there was maybe one row behind us, Joel. To be, for in all fairness, uh, but yes, uh, they were. We were we were changing light bulbs. That's for fucking sure. Uh, Fair enough. But it was. I fun. mean, I was actually there. I was actually there for All Out uh, in 2021 in Chicago when Adam Cole made his debut with uh, All Elite, and even me at that stage, who because we did a Voice of Wrestling barbecue before the show at uh, at Chris Samsa's place. So by the time that show was like wrapping up, there was a lot of different kinds of alcoholic beverages and other things that are legal under Illinois state law that had been consumed <laughs> on my end. And I still, that's one of the parts of the show I still very clearly remember. There's other parts that are quite blurry, but that part I very clearly remember. <laughs> no, wait, so you were at All In? Uh, all Out. All, all Out 2021. All, out, yeah. all right. So, yeah. All right. So it wasn't, I didn't meet you then. 
because I, I was like, uh, wait a minute, that sounds very familiar. I was <laughs> I was invited to, but I didn't go. Uh, no, dif- different. Um, how much do you love Chris Samsa? I mean, he's amazing. He's such a lovely guy, and like he he like the barbecue was also absolutely amazing. Like he really went like above and beyond for everyone to just have a great time mm. at that one. And I think. I actually have to say that I probably liked the barbecue more than I did the show. <laughs> it was so much it's always fun. the way. Yeah, it's always yeah. the way. Uh, yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's one of the nicest guys. Like I always say that I always, you know, I've met I've met some of the best people and some of the worst people <laughs> due to pro wrestling, <laughs> uh, and he would fall into one of the best. Absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. So I, I I find that amazing that. You do a, a podcast covering, you know, uh, Noah and, you know, and we do New Japan and we're talking about Adam Cole. <laughs> yeah. I found that to be amazing. What a start. But everybody's like, yes. Real catalyst of professional wrestling. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right, John. All right. Well, uh, yeah, as mentioned, so uh, Paul, your show, Emerald Flow Show covers Pro Wrestling Noah and All Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's just touch base on that. Like, give us the state of the union mm-hmm. in all Japan and Noah right now. Like, how are they bouncing back from COVID? Because, mm-hmm. like, to me, as a very casual observer to both companies, it feels like they've kind of gone in opposite directions <laughs> since last January, where, you know, coming off the back of the, the original Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan, Noah collaboration, Noah felt like the hot product right then, where all Japan were not really making many waves. But I sort of came away from this show feeling very differently about that. So where are the two companies mm-hmm. right now? I mean, for All Japan, I think what All Japan... All Japan is in a good-ish place. Like, attendance-wise, they're drawing well everywhere except for Corrigan. Like, their Corrigan numbers are actually worse now than they were, like, when there were restrictions, mm. which is weird. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, again, they draw w- well everywhere else. So my pet theory for that is actually because... Until recently, they had all of their titles on Outsiders. Like, you have Yuji Nagata as the Triple Crown Champion. You have Keno and Soya uh, from Noah uh, as the All Japan Tag Champions. And you had Naruki Doi as the Junior Champion. And recently, Atsuki Aoyagi won back the Junior title. So they're kind of, like, ending that story now of, like, basically all of these Outsiders coming in and winning all of the titles. But I also feel like they pissed off the hardcores in Corican, and that's why their numbers are bad in Corican. But otherwise, they're drawing pretty good. Like they're back to kind of drawing what they did pre-pandemic, which wasn't great, obviously. But at least, like compared to some other promotions, who are like a way off from what they were drawing before, I think that's a good sign for them. And what all Japan really needs is like they, in theory, just need like some sort of like company or money man or something coming in and just giving them a boatload of money because what is holding back all Japan right now is that they just don't have like the hard cash to like make major investments because talent wise they're there, like their roster has actually gotten a bit deeper than it used to be. And they're bringing in some like bigger outsiders, like for example, Naruki Doi, like Minoru Suzuki is there. Like there's this weird thing where like Minoru Suzuki, like obviously they have, he has like strong style with Despi and Renarita, right? But he also is in a faction in all Japan with Naruki Do and Hokuto Omori. So, like, very weird right now. And that yeah. faction doesn't even have a name. It's just 
free people. I was about to say just free guys teaming, oh, but that would taken. be that would be <laughs> that would be a copyright infringement. So I can't do that. I like just three people. That really rolls. <laughs> yeah, just free people. Or I don't know. You can name it like because it's strong style is the one in all in New Japan. So I guess he gets like King's Road style when he's it's the faction in all Japan. I don't know. Yeah, so that, that's all. If you had mentioned it, I would have forgotten that strong star was a thing. To be fair, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry, fair enough, continue. fair enough. Um, no, but I think the biggest things going on in all Japan right now. Everyone obviously like loves Kento Miyahara, knows about Kento Miyahara, and he's great. But we're actually slowly but surely, I feel like moving out of the Kento Miyahara era because you have Yuma. It's actually we're moving out of the Kento and into the Yuma's plural era because you have Yuma Aoyagi. He's about 25 years old he's been like slowly but surely they've been building him up for like a while now and he's there like he's kind of the i mean we're gonna talk about him for the main event as well but he is like a total package like he's just he has that star charisma he's really good in the ring as well and he's very like he's very likely going to win the triple crown from nagata like that seems like at this point that seems the plan i don't think that was the original plan but that seems to be the plan now uh, uh, so he is definitely a guy that is like going to be expected to carry the promotion sooner rather than later. And the other one is Yuma Anzai, who's less than a year in. And he's challenging Nagata for the Triple Crown in next week, which is insane. And I don't think he's winning. I think it would be a mistake if he's winning. But I also don't think it's you can put his chances at zero, which... Again, this is Japanese wrestling we're talking about. For a guy less than a year in, to even get a title shot is insane. But he actually has a reasonable chance of winning, which is even more insane. So that's really kind of the status of all Japan right now. It's like very much like building. They've built up the next generation. There's like, there's like other guys as well besides those two that are like ready to move into upper spots. So like they've done a nice job of that. They're just missing kind of that big money mark, like that capital to like improve everything else around yeah. the promotion. Is, I mean, is there any optimism in that regard? I mean, yeah, when yeah. talking about pro wrestling, it's, you know, I, I would say the majority of the people that get into it lose money. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do, do you feel or hear or sense any, any movement in that? Not really. I mean, the guy that is the current owner of the promotion, he was big into cryptocurrencies, which is... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, but he actually, like, the way he, he's been financing All Japan, he, like, made, like, a lot of money on a movie deal a couple of years ago. So, but, like, how sustainable is that is the question? Like, I'd rather if there was, like, some sort of, like, corporate entity coming in the same way, for example, Abima has been for Noah. And just give them that stability and like give them that investment to like improve their production and all of that and like allow them to like run bigger buildings more regularly and everything and like have good advertisement and better merge deals and all of that. Now, aside from, I know that that they have shows on uh, Samurai TV. Do they have a, a TV deal anywhere? Uh, they also, they're also on Geora TV as well. Ah, uh, in okay. theory, they also have the Geora TV title. Which currently is on Minoru Tanaka, but he is a great wrestler. So, I mean, he's A, a great wrestler, but he's also in the promotion great as well. So, yeah, but yeah, it, I don't know what, what the status of that title is. 
but yeah, otherwise they're on Gaora TV and then they have their own streaming services as well, uh, alljapan.tv, which like it works really well. Like it doesn't have like archives going back super far, but I mean that like that like platform has been around for a couple of years now. So if you like want to like get into modern day all Japan, like I think that one goes back like six years at this point. Okay. Like, yeah, I think so. Like you can catch up there. Like they stream most of their shows. Like they stream on their live. A lot of them without commentary. Because they like really the only shows that get commentary are shows that are on Samurai TV and I think Geora TV because mm. All Japan doesn't have any in-house commentary people and there's also no English commentary. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's no, there's no plan. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Joel. There's, there's no, there's no plans for any type of expansion or anything of that nature, right? No, I don't, I don't, they also don't have the money for that, quite right. honestly. Like I said, that's their main issue. Like, I don't think they're in danger of going out of business. Like, I think that their attendances are stable enough and all of that, and their merch sales are stable because the people that they are with the fans that they have, they're really popular. Like, I, I was talking about Anzai. Like I said, he's less than a year in, and he got a shirt, I think, in December, and it sold out instantly. He already has like a really long line apparently for like autographs and all of that. So like they're making money, but it's just they're not making that kind of money where that would allow them for like big expansions or anything like that. Like for that, like the budget is still too much of a shoestring essentially. Right. Uh, tell us about the pro wrestling Noah situation at the moment. How yeah. are they coping in the post Muto wasteland? Yeah. I mean, Noah in a way is like in the opposite kind of situation because they have like money is not the issue at all Noah has a shitload of money Noah arguably has more money than New Japan does uh, because Abima is bigger than Bushi Road and Abima also has been like Abima has been a massive like has seen a massive growth in popularity during the World Cup the uh, FIFA World Cup recently because they had some broadcasting rights for that and Japan did pretty well in the tournament so a ton of people had been like tuning into Abima for that. So like money is not like, and they, and they, for whatever, like cut Muto took off of that retirement show. Like regardless of that, Noah made a shit ton of money with that. Like that's probably the most profitable show in Japan this year. I think easily, because I don't think like even Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, it had less people there as well. So like, I think it's very easy to say that it was the most profitable show and like the tickets were insanely expensive and, probably a shitload of merch sold on that as well so like noah has a pretty well filled uh, like war chest money wise they just don't have any talent that they've built up mm. to invest that in <laughs> like they have kaito kium like it's actually like in, it's it's historically always been an issue with noah that the dojo is kind of shit like if you look at it there really aren't that many success stories from the noah dojo like because, for example, like pe people always think, obviously, like Marufuji and Kenta are like Noah guys, right? But they're not original Noah Dojo guys because both of them made their debut before the All Japan split. So, like they still, they're still, they technically still come out of the All Japan Dojo. So, if you really look at like just the Noah Dojo, like Noah Trueborns, it's like Goshiyazaki is by far like the biggest hit from that. But he's kind of like his body is like starting to break down and he's like over 40 now. And then otherwise it's like 
Takashi Segura, but Segura is over 50 now and he, because he started like when he was already like 40. And otherwise it's like Kaito Kiyomiya and then it's really kind of, I mean, Yoshiki Inamura. Like Yoshiki Inamura is great and everyone that's ever seen Yoshiki Inamura thinks Yoshiki Inamura is great. It's just Noah hasn't done anything to really like ever push him. Like, I think, I mean, you got, you both of you like saw him, right? Like, what did you think of like Inamura, like in the match that he had yesterday? I mean, I thought he was fine. Um, I don't know if he stood out in the match. The, I guess my biggest concern with Noah is they've had that lack of sense of direction. Yeah for a long time it felt like and it feels like when they kickstart it it's usually at the expense of the promotion um (laughs) uh, and that always i'm always left scratching my head uh and i kind of go back to even when like suzuki goon ran rough shot in noah and it was like the the feedback i would get would be that most Noah fans were just like, oh, this is, we're, I mean, eventually we have to win, right? Eventually we have to make a comeback, eventually. <laughs> and it really never came to pass. Um, and I feel like that's a, a constant, and that's a, like, a, like, a, like mm-hmm. a common thread in the past, oh, I don't know, f- 10 years? 10 years maybe? Am I off base with that? No, no, no. I, I, I can definitely see that, because yeah, as as I said, like it's constantly like it's also like always like outsiders coming in. Like like I said, one of the key issues that they don't have a dojo, so it's always like there isn't really that core of like this is a Noah guy. Like for example, like Goshiozaki's phrase had been like I am Noah, and like that is true in more ways than one because it's just like y- yes, he is Noah, but he's also like like. If you look at like the Noah like top line like people or like like the guys that are like expected to care like that are carrying Noah right now like not a lot of them are really like original Noah guys like Nakajima came at, came from elsewhere Kano's an outside guy like they pretty much the entire junior division are, like it's essentially just they just completely raided the former Osaka Pro Junior Division completely and just took all of those guys hmm. and that's now the Noah Junior Division. Uh, so like Noah never gets any wins because there isn't really anyone that is Noah, so to say. You know if that makes sense. No, yeah, it does. Well, I mean, we uh, uh, look as a casual watcher. If I recognize that, and you as an avid watcher definitely recognize that, why do you think the promotion doesn't recognize that? I think. What some of the issues as well with Noah have been that it has had a very turbulent history. Like I think maybe now we'll see some change finally with that now that like they've actually have some stability for once. Because really, if you look at like the history of the promotion since Masaba, like because again, Masaba dying completely derailed the promotion, and they're very lucky that it didn't kill them. Mm. Like because it very easily could have. Like for example, like. Like, I'm talking about Goshi Ozaki being now a success story of that dojo, but Goshi Ozaki's first title win came on the first show after Misawa died. Like, that's when he won his first title. 
because that entire like that entire like he won the title under the most catastrophic circumstances. Right. Like Akiyama was the champion at the time. He beats Go Shiozaki in his last title defense. Then Misawa dies. Akiyama gets hurt, and on the first show back, the title is vacant. The founder of the promotion is dead. And they're putting the title on this young guy. And that title reign is an absolute catastrophe. Mm. Like, it very nearly killed the promotion. And it's, it's a massive, like, it's a surprise that he managed to come back from that and actually become a successful main eventer. And it only gets, like, more chaotic from there, where, like, the, right, like Noah just gets, like, passed around from, like, ownership group to ownership group constantly, like, just barely scraping by. Like, there's so many times when Noah would have almost gone out of business. Like, for example, or, I mean, we had the whole, like, New Japan deal, and then that falls apart. Or they had, or basically, they, I think the very, I think the closest they ever got was, there was, a couple of years ago, you had uh, Naomichi Marufuji's uh, anniversary. I think mm-hmm. it was his 20-year anniversary. Uh, and you had Kenta, at that time, still Hideo Itami with WWE, come in to a show in Sumo Hall and wrestle Marufuji in the main event. And that drew a massive house because that was a matchup that people really wanted to see. And if that show doesn't do well, Noah is broke. Noah is just gone. And then finally, kind of, you have a beamer and with Cyberfight kind of swoop in and actually provide some like stable ownership for the company for once. And maybe now that they have that stability, they can actually do some long-term building. I mean, especially now that Muto is done, maybe now they finally will be like, okay, let's let's take some time. Let's see what we have. Let's take stock and let's make some long-term plans on what we actually want to do in the future. And that will actually finally lead to something somewhat like sensible Noah booking. But that is also just an assumption We'll see. Like, like it, it's very much a promotion that is in like a holding pattern, and I think that's none of that is more like none, nothing is more emblematic of that than who their champion is. Right. Well, I mean, so coming out of the pandemic, you would have thought that they would have had that sorted. I mean, I know that they were just <laughs> treading water, just trying to mm-hmm. stay afloat during that time, but it, you know. I don't know. Do you see them coming out of that um, in, in, a, in a positive light? It, it could because it felt like at the end of the pandemic that Noah, as Joel said, was really red hot. It felt like, and then they just lost any momentum that they gained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, like I said. Did, they then went onto this whole like bend on like pushing Muto and only Muto is the only thing that matters. And I mean, at the very least, it resulted in them drawing this massive house in Wrestle Kingdom. But again, it came at the expense of literally everyone else in the promotion. Mm. So, and, but it also seemed like they have no plan for that afterwards. But I think also now there's like no one there. Like there's no one left. Like they don't have a backup plan. So I think... They have, like, on the one hand, they have no plans. There's no one left. There's n- like, it's basically like bankrupt in a creative sense, but they're not bankrupt in a money sense. And I think that is a chance where, like, they can, they actually have the luxury for once to just take some time, take some stock, and actually think about things. 
And like the next couple of months are probably going to be a bit rough because again, they actually need to figure out what the fuck they actually want to do. But they actually have the luxury of like doing that for once because there is no urgent thing of like, oh, we need to like put like we need to identify who is a big draw because if we don't draw well on the next show, we're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, who's running the show there? Who's, who's booking? Uh, it is. That is a good question. It definitely was Nosawa a while ago, and it's kind of gotten a bit more muddled since then. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Kendo Kashin is someone that is a lot more involved with the booking there. I, I, the, my best guess is that Nosawa is the one booking the juniors because the junior booking just has all of the hallmarks of Nosawa because uh, that just doesn't slow down. It's, I don't know if you've guys seen it, what happened on the Noah show today. I haven't seen the show yet, uh, but... You know who popped up in Noah and they did another Noah Jr. turn? Mm. No? no? Okay, so it's Leona. Leona popped up on the Noah show, turned heel, and joined Stinger, which is like the big junior heel faction, which is... Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wow. It's like, what the fuck? So, <sighs> but like, the heavyweights aren't booked like that so i feel like it's not the same person doing that and i think kashan is more involved in that and uh, i would and i wouldn't be shocked if like for example like marafuji is office and he probably gets a say in what happens there mm-hmm. and then yeah it, it definitely seems like it's a bit more of like a committee that is going on there now rather than just nasaba like it was in the past right well uh, give me give me uh, and we'll wrap up like kind of like the state mm-hmm. of the union what if you could make one change mm-hmm. with Noah, what would you do? I I would. I'm worried about what to do. Yeah. In terms of booking, or in terms of like some sort of like terms organizational of change, anything you you have you have the you have the master stroke mm-hmm. to make one change that would be the most impactful for Noah to get to write the course. What would that be? I'm, I'm, because I don't think there's a short-term solution to this. I think you can only do a long-term build. So I'm, I would merge the DDT and Noah Dojos mm. because okay. they're under the same group. And DDT is just constantly like belting out talent nonstop. And they have Akiyama and there as the head trainer. And he's a really good trainer. Like one of the reasons why like all Japan has so much good talent as well, so much good young talent is a lot of them were still like Akiyama trainees. So that's very, like, very visible. And like, same now with DDT, where they're just constantly like getting, getting new talent ready. Like that's Akiyama's doing. So I would just, and I don't think there's really a reason why they shouldn't be together. Like it's, it's already weird that like they're both under the same umbrella company and like they interact, like Noah has more interactions with all Japan, obviously, and New Japan, and they have no interactions at all with DDT, despite <laughs> them being the same company. Wow. Yeah. So I, what I would do is I would merge those dojos and then I would basically just have the talent in there and I would just evaluate like, okay, this guy fits better with Noah. He goes to Noah. This guy is more like a fit for like DDT. He goes to DDT. And that way you do like the talent evaluations. Like, cause you look at, for example, like the DDT roster, there's some people in there that would be way better fits than Noah. Like if you just put Higuchi or Noah, that's already such a ma- would be such a massive improvement. And if you can just have a more like efficient talent, fu- talent funneling, I think that would 
solve a lot of Noah's issues. Obviously not short-term, but I don't think there is a short-term fix for the situation at the end. You can only do like a long-term build now. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right, Joel, you get all that? <laughs> yeah, I've been taking notes. Uh, I wanted to just pick your brains on this, Paul, because mm-hmm. we are self-confessed Shinihon freaks, like real New Japan apologists. Mm-hmm. We just say that everything at New Japan is great or perfect. What? So you are more, <laughs> a more neutral and, and, dare I say, reliable voice as to how New Japan is doing. What do you think of New Japan right now? I think they're definitely doing better than they were during pandemic times. I'm also loving this whole like Okada character that he's got going. I mean, like I said, like I'm a bit more of a neutral voice on New Japan overall, but I have to say I'm not a neutral voice in any way, shape or form when it comes to Kazuchika Okada, because he is my favorite wrestler of all time. (laughs) So uh, I can already say that, but I think like he's doing the best like work of his career. And he's also found a character. I think this character that he's doing right now is going to be a massive like boon to new japan down the road because he can basically keep doing this character for the next 20 years like he can just keep doing this uh, character as this like grumpy veteran who just beats the shit out of like the young guys for like 20 years he can just keep doing it until he's just completely broken down and retiring and he can just like put over the young generation like going forward essentially like he's still going to be champion and all of that and i think that's such a good thing to have for new japan I think some of the young guys are a little bit hit or miss. Uh, so, like, I, I actually love Yota Suji. I think he is a guy that could potentially be really... I think he's someone you can build around. Shota Umino, I'm, I think I'm a bit more on the rich side. Not as extreme as Rich is on him. But I'm also more like... Because I think Rich thinks he's, like, Yoshitatsu level. I don't think he's that bad. I But I'm thinking, like, I don't know... I get like Yoshihashi, like he's a pretty Yoshihashi basically is the like vibes I get off of him. Um, I know actually like, I don't know, like, for example, a lot of people like talking up Oleg Bolton. And so actually we talked about this on like the most recent episode of the flow show that we recorded on Thursday where, and I'm going to repeat what I said about him here. Um, I mean, this in the nicest way possible. He's too ugly to, be a top line star in <laughs> New Japan. Like he just doesn't have that look. I think he tops out as being like David Finlay's heavy. I think that's a perfect role for him. He's going to be like the guy that like David Finlay like chocks someone to the outside and then like Oleg Boltum like beats them up and then sends them back in the ring and the like, muscle of th- Bullet Club. All right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I think that's a perfect role for him. Junior division, I'm really down on the junior division to be quite honest. I think Despi's great. I'm I'm kind of over Hiromu. Like, whenever I watch a Hiromu match, I'm like, yeah, he's great, but I just, I don't, like, I'm just over, like, his, like, whole thing. Like, that's the best way I can describe that. Don't give a shit about Master Wato at all. I I think I'm just completely out on Yo and Show, and I I think they've just basically just ruined Show. Like, I, I don't know if he can ever, like, come back from what they've done to him. And then otherwise, I don't really see a lot of other people in the junior division that are like ready to step up and be like the next guy after Hiromu. So I think that's going to be a bit dire for a while until it gets better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think 
they're in a decent position for like the heavyweight division for like people that can like move up there. I think Yota Suji is good. We'll see how like Uemura does when he like comes back. And I think Renderita, I want to love him. And I think, I think he still needs to find that right switch to flip. But I think he's also a guy, if he actually flips that switch, I think he is actually a credible main eventer. But the question is if he will be able to do that. But if he does, then I think it's like an instant thing where like he goes from like zero to 100 like immediately. Hmm. What do you think of the? Oh, oh yeah, you're good. You, you're going to read my mind. You read my mind. That you're going to ask the same question I was. Go ahead. You go first. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> that was my question. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it. I like it, but it's also not a good sign in terms of like what business is because if we, like promotions really only ever do this when businesses in the shitter, which probably kind of is. I think all Japan is probably the one that has benefited the most from this because they just kind of get some people onto their shows that can draw and like it has pr- pretty much paid dividends for them. Like, for example, if you look at like, like whenever, like, for example, the recent like Corican show, it's on a current show, but like, for example, in general, like if what they've actually done or what actually New Japan has done on these all Japan shows has, has been pretty smart. We're like they're actually protecting the young boys much better than they are protecting the New Japan dads on these shows. Because like the, the young lions like get on these shows and they pick up falls. And like it's Kojima like basically like got dropped out a lot. Like he put over some like up and coming stars for all Japan, which I think was important for them. Uh, at like it doesn't seem like New, New Japan made any effort of like protecting him. Like but then they're protecting like Kosei Fujita. So, but I think that's smart. Like, I think that's kind of what you want to do. So I think New Japan is really benefiting from this. I think all Japan is betting from this. Noah is the one where I don't know if they're getting something out of this. I think it very much depends on Kaito in the G1 and how that goes. Like, if my prediction for that is true, then I think Noah does benefit from this overall. But I think right now, Noah has been kind of the loser of this cooperation so far where like they haven't really gotten much out of this. Do you see, yeah, God, and I was going to say, do do you see new Japan's involvement in either of those promotions increasing? I don't think with Noah because they're kind of already in a bit of a cold war, right? Like, because obviously Bushi wrote, see cyber fight as competition and so they're like they're keeping this going while like business is still bad and it kind of everyone like the rising tide raises all the ships but i think at some point that kind of war maybe will heat up or that like cooperation will kind of close off at some point when i don't know someone poaches someone else's talent or something happens or just in general business recovers and it's not necessary anymore New Japan and all Japan, I I mean, maybe I can see them keeping that going a bit longer as well. Because, I mean, Yuji Nagata is still the Triple Crown champion. And if he doesn't lose it to Anzai, then he is going to keep that belt probably until like early September when he loses it to whoever wins the Royal Road Tournament. 
And then after that, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think what I probably will say is likely that I think the New Japan dads are going to like stick around in other promotions because I mean, it's not like Kojima does anything in New Japan. Like it's not like they need him for anything. So if they can like loan out like Kojima to be a draw on another show for like other favors, then I think that's in New Japan's best interest to do that. Right. Like for example, if it's like getting the young lions some like exposure on like other shows and like being exposed to a different style and all of that without having to send them abroad, which costs a lot of money. I think that's a good idea. So yeah, I think if you can kind of keep this going as like an internal excursion, then I think that's not the worst idea for new Japan. And I think that's going to keep going. However long, I think both promotions feel that they're getting something out of it and it's beneficial to them. All right, well, let's get into the show itself then. So this was All Together Again uh, from Sumo Hall, Ryogoku Kokugikan, and uh, an attendance of 6,569 packed in there. Uh, I don't know if that's a good number or not. Sometimes I look at a number and think that's good, and then other people <laughs> say it's a shit number. So I t- I've got no reference point for it. I just don't see the point in comparing it to pre-COVID numbers. But uh seemed like a good crowd anyway. And, and I think the main thing here, we've all been frothing at the mouth waiting to see Noah's MVP be back amongst the New Japan crew arguably where he belongs uh Damon how good was it to see Kikuchi again I tell you what it warmed my heart I mean you know it's uh he's become a cult hero <laughs> and uh, I mean this great Okada Kiyomiya story that's got uh Kikuchi's fingerprints all over it, another one of his master strokes yeah yeah it's probably I would not be surprised it does it does feel that way but yeah I hope he's, I hope he's well. I hope he's in a comfortable spot. You know, I hope he's, uh, I hope he can uh, wake up in the morning every every morning and and know that he's he not only has done a fine job but continues to weave his creative <laughs> web. That's what I hope. Yeah, can I just say it? it's the most Noah thing ever to probably ruin any chance they ever had of getting Kota Ibushi. By bringing in Kikuchi. Like, it's such an absolute just Noah own goal for, like, no reason at all. And, yeah. Because <laughs> they have the money to do it. They have the money to do it. And it probably would solve some of the issues. And then they're just like, what is, like, who's the one person we definitely cannot bring in? Or that would definitely make Ibushi be like, oh, yeah, I'm absolutely not coming, regardless of how much money you're paying me. It's, oh, it's Kikuchi. Yeah, sure. Let's bring in that guy in the backstage. So well, they can fine. they can split brands and then run on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, no, like Cyberfight technically already has split brands. It's there DDT and Noah. Yeah, but Ibushi doesn't want to work DDT. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, somebody's got to compromise somewhere. But you know, listen, stranger things have happened in pro wrestling, from what I understand. So I you know it can be done. Yeah, I mean, you can send Kikuchi over to DDT to, like, do stuff there. <laughs> <Guess maybe. laughs> epic programs, epic heavyweight title run. All right, uh, go ahead, Joe, I'm sorry. Well, if nothing else, having Kikuchi there is a great self-defense mechanism for protecting the integrity of the GHC title. Because if you let Ibushi in, then fuck me, all bets are off. It will change it to some other bullshit. So uh, you got that going <laughs> for you, at least. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the show before we get into the matches themselves, Paul? Uh, I thought the show was pretty good. Like, I don't think there was anything, like, super essential to, like, watch on it, but it 
really got the feeling that like the show flew by as I was watching it. And I also, because they, it very easily could have been that everyone just kind of dogs it because they're just in a bunch of multi-man matches. So like, it's like, ah, I'll just go in there, take two bombs, do like my signature spot and that's it. But I think everyone really like up and down the card, worked hard and really like tried to make it a good show. So I like that. Uh, David, your thoughts? I thought the show was good. I thought the matches were were good. Um, I agree with Paul. I don't know if if there's anything that necessarily stuck out, or I would you know climb to the highest mountaintop and scream, "You got to watch!" Uh, I did find it a little bit more interesting in the fact that there is future Noah. Um, collaboration, whether it be uh, the G1 or, or 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 even it felt like a little bit from a junior perspective as well. But uh, I think, like I said, the stuff in the ring, I think everybody tried. You know, it wasn't like people were dogging it. Uh, but in the same breath, I, th- I feel like there was not a ton of surprises. And... You know, going into this show, we all, you know, we all kind of joke quite a bit about, you know, New Japan and uh, how they like to run these things when they're the ones on the show. Uh, And I think we got plenty of that, right? Okay, uh, let's get into the matches themselves. And so the uh, kickoff match was eight-man tag team match with Black Mitsore, Ryo Inoue, Ryusuke Taguchi and Yo defeat Alejandro at Sushi Kotoge, Seiki Yoshioka and Super Crazy, 70 minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, my only thought about is this. Uh, today on the New Japan show, Taguchi was, um, f- for want of a better phrase, anally assaulting <laughs> show with a wrench. So I think <laughs> the, the uh, Alejandro Kotoge, Yoshioka and Super Crazy team can be grateful that uh, that Taguchi didn't turn up. But uh, aside from that, I, I don't have a great amount to say about that, uh, Paul. Yeah, no, I, I also don't think there's a whole lot to say about this one as well. Like, it was just a kickoff match, and it's, it was fine. Uh, I, I'm happy that Ryo Inoue wasn't the guy taking the fall, because I actually had him packed for that. <laughs> oh, that might have, oh, that's a really poor choice of words, actually, with the Gucci in there. Um, so, but, like, Inoue, like, uh, he is actually still a young boy, technically, in all Japan. But he's got this like Kawada tribute look going, and he like is just a guy that kicks people really hard now. And I think he's a guy that, that he he's going to be a ton of fun like once he gets out of young boy status real soon. So he's a guy to keep your eye on. All right. So opening match then was the uh, six man tag team match with uh, Goto Ishi and Yoshihashi defeating the tough Masa Kitamiya <laughs> and Yoshiki Inamura and Daiki Inaba in eight minutes twenty eight seconds. Um, yeah, I mean, you talked earlier about Inamura. I liked him. I, I just I always get excited when I see him and Kitamiya, and especially when they're on opposite sides to the likes of Goto and Ishii, because you know you're going to get your big beefy boy beef slapping match. And I'm sure this won't happen. But if you were to say to me like which tag teams would I like to see more of? You know, let's say in a in a hypothetical scenario, getting the tough over for <laughs> World Tag League, I thought that would be a lot of fun. So I always enjoy seeing these guys face off. They faced off. You know, plenty of times in the last sort of uh, eighteen months or so, but uh, it's, it's always fun to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's actually because Kitamiya and Inaba were recently tag champions in Noah as well, and the style of match they were having, uh, 
we were called, like they actually didn't have a tag team name. So what we were just calling them was just, uh, we have Bishamon at home was <laughs> basically the ta- unofficial tag name that we gave them because they basically wrestled the very No, that that's basically the style they were wrestling, but like they're really, really good. Like Masakitamiya is a guy, like he really is kind of like the, yeah, I think he's like a, cr- basically the best is like, he's like a cross between Ishii and Goto is like his role on the Nova roster where he, he, he gets title shots, but he's never going to win the top title because he's just not that guy. But like whenever you put him in anything, he's going to be great. And I thought he was really good here. And yeah, Ishiki and Amura. So I, I've talked about him a bit before and like him not getting pushed. So there is an absolutely insane statistic about him. Uh, he has never pinned a non-young boy in a singles match ever. And how in many years are going? In how Noah. Many, how many years? I think he's five years going now, but wow. he's already 30. He's already, he's four years. So he made, his, he made his debut on the 2nd of September 2018, but he's already 30. So, you know, you, you kind of have to get going here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Our next match was the tag team match with Chris Ridgway and Sean Legacy defeating TMDK, Kosei Fujita and Zack Sabre Jr. in 11 minutes, 23 seconds. Um, if I'm again looking at guys who impressed me from the nurse side, I, I like the look of Chris Ridgeway here. I thought he was really good. And interesting that Zach said he's taking TMDK to Noah. So uh, mm-hmm. I dare say we might see some future interactions between these guys. Yeah, no, that, that's something I'm really looking forward to. It's, I think, Joe Lanza called Chris Ridgeway Zach Sabre Jr. on math, which <laughs> I think is a very apt description. Uh, no, but Brack Chris Saber Jr. <laughs> I think that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I Chris Ridgeway is great. Um, he unfortunately is doing a lot of like very, very much like House of Torture style shtick in Noah right now, and this endless feud between Ata and Yoshinari Ogawa, and it's really impressive that you get a feud going with Ata and Yoshinari Ogawa, who are two of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and me having no interest in that, which is how awfully that feud is booked. But no, but I, I'm really happy that Zack is coming back to Noah because, I mean, that's where he got a start in Japan. So it's really nice for him to come back. And if, and if uh, uh, Kevin also, like on commentary, was teasing as well, uh, like him versus Ogawa, because that was like a feud he had going uh, back in Noah. And Sean Legacy, I think, just real quick as well, because Noah has kind of this random grab bag of foreigners mentality. But sometimes that really works out well for you. And I think Sean Legacy is another guy, uh, like, for example, Jack Morris from uh, Scotland that they have as well on the roster. He's, it's like another one of those guys where, like, if you just kind of, like, grab a bunch of random foreigners, have them come over and see if they work out, like some of them are going to work out. And I think Sean Legacy is a guy where like, that's a diamond in the rough that they found. And if they build him, they have like a really good, like gaijin on the roster that they can do a lot of stuff with. Yeah. I mean, look, some of them stick and some of them steal protein powder. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Damon, Damon, he didn't steal protein powder. Didn't you see that he went back to Canada on a, on a, uh, first class flight and would they really like send someone back on a first class flight that that person might have bought himself if he had stolen protein powder oh look uh, <laughs> it, the, the whole thing is preposterous to me he's got you there he's got you there that's a good point 
what they have really allowed him to go to the go to the booking desk, book himself a first class flight if he had stolen protein powder. Who knows? Mm, who knows? All right, fair enough. Makes you think. Makes mm-hmm. you think. Uh, okay, next was a, a singles match with Shota Umino defeating Yoshitatsu in five minutes fifty eight seconds. Uh, match guide rating three point six eight based on eighteen votes. Um, Damon uh, on Voices Wrestling flagship, they compared. Yoshi Tatsu against Shota Umino as the Spider-Man meme with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Do you do you think that's fair? What what did you think of this match? See, I don't I don't I don't I'm much higher. Much higher. Uh on on Shota. Um I didn't think the match was terrible. I mean it very well could have been, right? Going into it, you you would you would I don't know. I, I think people might watch it just for the train wreck that could possibly occur. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was all right. Um, was I surprised at the at the finish? A, a little bit, a, a tiny bit, but considering the fucking rocket they're putting to the guy, um, I guess not. No, I, I, I mean, look. Again, I think that this match had all the potential to, to be a dumpster fire, and I thought it was more than adequate, <laughs> more than fine. Wait, but really, you were surprised with Umino winning? I was surprised in the sense of, like, to me, that's that seems like a, a like, uh, there's there weren't, that was the only, correct me if I'm wrong, singles match on the show, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I just maybe I'm not surprised at the fact that he won, but more of the fact that in in that spotlight, like he's the guy that that they gave him the the lone single win. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's that shock. I think is a bad word, but it did. I did raise an eyebrow. Let's put it that way. Okay. No, because Yoshitatsu, let, let me give you this stat. Yoshitatsu finished the most recent champion carnival this year with two points. <laughs> so he, he, he is not pushed at all, really, in All Japan. I mean, okay, he is the current All Asia Tag Champion, but that's not really a very prestigious belt. Aww. Which, oh, <laughs> uh, do you maybe want to guess who his tag team partner is? Uh... I have no fucking clue. It's Atsushi Onida. No. Yes. Really? Yep. The current All Asia Tag Team Champions are Atsushi Onida and Yoshitatsu. Wowzers. All right. Yep. They won it off of Kendo Kashin and Nosawa Ronkai. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? I have a, I have a little figure of Kendo Kashin. I have a, I have a, I have a little figure. All right. Very good. Uh, yes, that is that is that that tells you my uh, current understanding of the product. Ugh. All right, <laughs> next. Okay, uh, then we had a tag team match with Axis, so Goshiyazaki and Katsuhiko Nakajima defeating Hokuto Omori, and uh, it was supposed to be Shuji Ishikawa, but he was having too much sex and was replaced by Satoshi Kojima. Um, yeah, again, Axis one of the teams where uh, I think probably one of the, the better things to be going on in Noah at the moment. And 
a team I'd love to see a bit more crossover with New Japan. And uh, yeah, Kojima as well. Every time I see him wrestling, I think, yeah, you know, he can still go and it still upsets me a little bit that he never got the G1 send-off tour that, you know, other people have gotten in in the past. But uh, I very much doubt we'll see Kojima in the G1 again. But um, I still have fun seeing him when he does pop up on these shows. No, I mean, Axis also only recently got put back together as well. So it's kind of a big thing uh, in Noah right now. I think it's like one of those things that they really want to build at the moment because they also sell a shit ton of merch and they're great as well. So not merch that I could ever wear because I am, I am German. There is an absolutely 0% chance I will ever wear a shirt that says Axis on it. I'm also sure that actually could get me arrested. So that's not happening. Oh. But otherwise, as a team, uh, they are great. Uh, and... Also, on the other end, I think Hokuto Omori is a guy that he's another one of those like young, like all Japan talents. Like, I don't think he's as great as like the Yumas, but he is someone that is going to be like hanging around there. And he just has like so much charisma as well. I think like looking at the Voice of Wrestling Discord, there were like a couple of people in there that were like, oh, yeah, I actually would be interested in seeing what like Hokuto Omori is like going to do going forward. Because I think he's just one of those guys that just kind of grabs you. And he also re- only recently moved up to heavyweight as well because he was a junior before and then he put on some mass and then they put him in a faction with uh, Suzuki and Doi. So they, they're clearly like they're building him up for something, but he's still kind of like finding his style a bit. But I think his like interactions with Nakajima were like really fun. Like him stealing Nakajima's spot and all of that, like that's just like really great, just like shit heel behavior. And then we had a six-man tag team match with Strong Star, so El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Ren Narita defeating Junta Miyawaki, Naomichi Marafuji, and Takashi Sugiura. A uh, notable thing from this was that apparently Ren Narita wants a singles match with Marafuji. I don't know whether or not he's going to get one, but that feels like the sort of thing that could get him back on track because I feel that he's lost direction since this Strong Style faction was created. Uh, and I just think the booking is been a bit wishy-washy there so i would love to see him get back on track and you know maybe the grade one climax is the best way to do it um but yeah aside from that that's all my thoughts mm-hmm. on this match uh paul what were your yeah. thoughts uh i i like this match as well yeah narita we'll see about him in the g1 i'm like given the block that he's in I, I don't wouldn't feel too confident about his like how many wins he's actually going to score on that one but yeah, I thought this was a good one for him. Uh, and I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's funny, like, because on the other side, you have Junta Miyawaki, who it's a really weird situation with him right now. Basically, they bring him back at the beginning of the year. They kind of give him this look that very clearly shows like he's going to be like the future junior ace to give him a title match immediately. He doesn't win, like, but like, that's fine. Uh, and but he like does well, like he gets over and all of that. And then he goes back or they say he's like, after the Muto show, they say he's going back to Mexico. There's no evidence he ever did. He comes back with a significantly worse look because I don't know, like, were you guys impressed with the look he had here? Not it's, really. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. It was kind of, yeah, exactly. Like the look he had before was much better. Like this is the new look that he has now. The second one he's gotten this year, and it's significantly worse. And he's just a complete jobber, like dropping falls on like every match he's in. And at the same time, like recently, two young guys like Kinya Okada and Yasutaka Yano 
get let go from the promotion after get pulled from a card at the very last second. And also you had Espikento and uh, Takumi Fujiwara getting fired from Dragon Gate. You know who was in Mexico with those two guys? Junta Miyawaki. Like, mm. there's zero evidence that he is, was actually involved with any of this. But it is very curious that there's two cases of people like getting let go from their promotions. And he is kind of related to both of those cases and is currently getting massively punished in the booking. Are you saying that he was the ringmaster and some shenanigans in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> Were we actually thinking about uh, like episode title for the most recent episode? Uh, one that I suggested was Junta Miyawaki is the new Sean O'Hare. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my. All right. Uh, I, I will say this, Joel. I think Strong Style has where on paper you would think this would be a top two, top three faction, um, not only in our interests, but in what they do with these guys. Yeah. I mean, talk about just a floundering, just their faction. And you're right. Maybe this does help give Ren a little bit more uh, of a, of a path. Um, unfortunately we have to go outside, but you know, he's going to, he's going to go at it with a legend. I mean, if, if it will happen, but yeah, it does seem like it is just so they just, they're just treading water right now. Um, they need something interesting rather quickly. Um, I mean, to be fair, you know, I actually would send them like, I actually wouldn't like Marufuji, like I actually wouldn't like send them to Noah. What I would actually do is I would actually send them to all Japan. Cause as I said, Suzuki already has a faction there. So like, you would really only need to like send Despi and Renorita there. And I think like there's a lot of people there that probably fit really well style-wise with Renorita, where he could like do some stuff, like get some like reps in and have some people team with as well. Like I think him teaming with Doi probably would be like he can learn something from Doi in like in terms of like the personality department that would probably like if he gets a bit of that like Doi just like shithead energy. Like, same with, like, Omori. Like, if he learns from those two guys, I think that would actually be something he could benefit from. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if the promotion would want to take him out of the New Japan confines. Um, I, I mean, to me, it, it seems like he runs at the point where sending him elsewhere might not be as um, a, a positive as maybe it would have been say like a year ago or two years ago um and do you find that pretty amazing too not to change gears at all but like so why was there a satisfactory level of talent sharing within promotions during the pandemic i mean during the pandemic there wasn't really anything right right like, like i would have thought you know, if they were going to be running shows, they would be, you know, they would have, that would be the, the opportunity to send people like that. So you cut down on the travel, you cut down on stuff, um, and they, and they can get the reps in. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think a reason for that was that they wanted to prevent any kind of like cross infection where like someone, like you bring in a guy from another promotion and then he gives like. He, he doesn't only whole give your roster COVID, right. he gives two whole locker rooms COVID, you know? Yeah. Get a test. Come on. 
<laughs> All right, very good. Uh, Joel, where, where, what else we have on this this stellar show? Uh, we've got a 10-man tag team match with United Empire. So Hanari, Akira, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and TJP defeating Voodoo Murders. That's Jun Saito and Rei Saito. Dan Tamura, Hikaru, Sato, and Ryuki Honda. So, I mean, this one was notable, actually, for uh, Francesco Akira yes. picking up him for, obviously, mm-hmm. a guy who has worked all Japan in the past. And I was just wondering if it was maybe a little glimpse into the future. We might be seeing a, a bit of a Francesco Akira push in the future. I mean, I know he is tied up in the short term with the junior tag team titles, but I thought that was a, an interesting note that of all these 10 wrestlers, that Akira was the guy singled out to, to take the fall in this one. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love Francesco Akira. Like, obviously, I mean, I've been watching him since like day one he arrived in Japan and all Japan and just slowly see his because his kind of like baby face kind of like underdog charisma was like immediately obvious but he was rough around the edges in ring wise when he came into all japan first and then he became really really good towards the end of his run and then obviously he goes over to new japan so but yeah he's actually like since i was talking that i'm a bit down like the new japan junior division of all like i think to me he's one of those guys for He's a bright spot there, and he's still pretty young as well because he started working like he's still only 23 now. That's insane. Yeah. Like, because I think he legitimately came into all Japan like, like, yeah, super young. Like, he was like 18 or something. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he looked like that. He he really only looks like he's 16 now. So, you know, but I, I think he's a guy that, you know, you can do something if you can push and, I mean, you still have time, in theory. Like, I mean, he's only 23, but I think if you do it now, like, he's someone you can probably, like, keep around for, like, a long while. And you can never really push him up to heavyweight, but it's worse fates than, like, just being, like, a constant part of, like, the New Japan Junior Division. Just ask, like, Rocky Romero. <laughs> he's been a living out of it. Hey. Yeah. And uh, if nothing else, Francesco Acker has made a great contribution to one of the best storylines in New Japan this year, which is um, Dan Maloney deciding to reject <laughs> United Empire. And the, the storyline reason being, Damon, I don't know if you heard this from the uh, Dan Maloney interview afterwards, but he said uh, after the Clark Connors match, he, he wanted to go to a bar and have a beer and asked his group and then Francesco Acura instead asked if he wanted to go for bubble tea instead. <laughs> so bubble tea, uh, an important part of uh, New Japan pro wrestling yeah. law there. So, that's brought to the table from also, Francesco yeah. Acura. Just for quick before we Go move ahead, on, uh, because I think this was probably like like first guy's first time really seeing the titles. What are your thoughts on uh, both of the titles? I'm shrugging my shoulders here. I didn't particularly <laughs> stand out. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, to be fair, this wasn't really like a good way for them to stand out in this match. It didn't really do all that much. But they, they, are they guys they, who should be paying attention to? Yes, no. Okay, so they're both already quite old. Like they're already like they're only like two years in. They're like thirty six and thirty seven. But they're basically they're such a like throwback to like an eighties tag team. Like they didn't come out to their music here, obviously, but they come out to Dream Warrior by Dokken, which is <laughs> just amazing. Wow. All right. Yeah. And they're just, they're not good. <laughs> the best, they're really good at being bad is, I, is, is the best way I can describe them. Like they're very unique. Like, they, like in the 80s, they were like 
tons of tag teams like this, but now they don't really exist anymore. They're just these like two big, ugly motherfuckers that just beat people up. And that's what make like they actually like there's people on the older pan roster that can actually carry them to really good matches. But otherwise they they can be a bit rough. But yeah, like obviously they're never gonna be anything major because again, they're already like in the late for like mid to late thirties. So there's only like there is very much a ceiling on them, but I think they're like they're worth paying attention to simply because they're so different from everyone else. Now I gotta watch them. Now I gotta see. <laughs> I, I, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta hear the docking. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, we had a six-man tag match with Suwama, Yuji Nagata, and Yuma Anzai defeating Los Ingobernables de Japón, Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. So. This one was a lot of fun, actually. I always enjoy Tetsuya Naito making fun of other people's uh, little gestures. And him making fun of Nagata was a lot of fun here. So I enjoyed that tremendously and Nagata's reaction to that. And also Yota Suji was there cornering LIJ and then he carried Bushi out of the ring afterwards. <laughs> I don't know how um, the Bushi and Hiromu feel about repeatedly getting picked up and carried away by Yota Suji, But uh, that was a lot of fun anyway. Uh, yeah, Paul. Mm-hmm. So obviously this was Yuma Anzai. So like I said, he is going to be very important to the future of this promotion. Like he is, for better or for worse, like he is going to be the ace of this promotion eventually. Like he is still less than a year in. And he made his debut at the 50th anniversary with his theme getting live played by the guy that composed it. And he had a singles match with Yuji Nagata as his first match. And this is going to be a match that will happen again next week when Yuma Anzai challenges Yuji Nagata for the Triple Crown in Ota Award, which is kind of insane for like your first year in the promotion. Yeah. Uh, Paul, there's a lot of sort of talk about the maybe Yuji Nagata's desire to poach Yuma Anzai and bring it to mm-hmm. Japan. That's not likely to happen, is it? Probably not. I mean, if it were to happen, then it, like, it seems like they were already competing for him, right? They were already, like, Wusuwama and Yuji Nagata were very clearly, like, competing for Yuma Anzai services. And Yuma went with All Japan because he went to the same school as Suwama. So that's how, like, Suwama got his hooks in. So I don't think there's any chance that, like, Yuma Anzai in, like, the short term, like, jumps to, like, New Japan because well, then why didn't you just go to the New Japan Dojo, like, right away? Like, there's no point there. Long-term, maybe, but then we're talking, like, really long-term as well, and maybe that's what Nagata is doing, where he's, like, kind of whispering in his ear, and then, like, I don't know, five years or so, ten years down the line, he, like, finally let pays off. But otherwise, like, it's, I mean, it's very obvious that Yuji Nagata likes Yumayanza, like, because he just constantly, like, he teams a firm, like, he, like, that's why his chance of winning isn't zero, because Yuji Nagata just, like, he gave him a lot in his, like, debut match already. So he's probably going to give him even more in a Triple Crown match coming up. And, I mean, it's also, like, other things as well, where, like, he's being given a lot. Like, he already had, like, at the, like, most recent uh, Ota Ward show, uh, he had a match with, uh, uh, with Naito and Bushi as well. And he he did get pinned in that, 
like obvious, like I mean, just a guy that's just one year, and so it feels kind of insane to make that statement that like, oh yeah, no, actually he was the guy that got pinned. Uh, but he like he got some near falls on Tetsuya Naito, where like he actually got the crowd to like bite in, and then he like got hit with the uh, 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 with the Destino and got pinned. But still, like he has gotten some spots over already. That like for example like the like jumping knee like the jumbo knee that he does like the crowd really reacts to that already, so he he has done really good job like so far. But I mean he didn't get the pin in this one. Tsubama got the pin for some reason, and then they played the wrong theme. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> well, so basically Tsubama only recently turned face again, like literally like a couple of days before the show, and that's his heel theme, not his face theme. Oh, okay. All right, all right, and Joel, uh, no surprise with Bushi taking the fall. I gather, right? No, I mean he's probably the most valuable asset in this, uh, you know, cross promotional collaboration because <laughs> guys like Bushi, yeah, he's there, uh, very happy to. Turn. Well, I don't know if he's happy to turn the lights, but that's what he's doing either way. Uh, next match was the Battle of the Guys. We heard uh, the good-looking guys, Jake Lee, Tadasuke, and Yohei defeating just five guys: Sanada, Takamichi, Noku, and. Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, so notable, I suppose, for having your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion not even in the semi-main event, let alone the main event. And um, Jake Lee, you wanted to talk to us about Jake Lee? Yeah. Well, I mean, because, not just... Uh, the... He says that he wants a singles match with Sonata. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's not just a, like IWGP like World Champion being in like third match from the top. It's also the GHC World Champion, like GHC Heavyweight Champion third match from the top like neither of them being anywhere involved in like the top match of the show i mean in fact this was the last match announced for the show which unfortunately means that all of the like jake lee can never get booked on a new japan show memes are unfortunately dead because this is a new japan show so he did get booked on a new japan show finally so good for him but I mean, really, like this be like these guys being here and Yuji Nagata being in the match before, I think really shows a common trend amongst all three promotions. And it is that all three champions feel like transition, like transition champions. Like they are transition champions that get like actual, like long term reigns, but they don't feel like their reigns to establish them as like top of the line guys. I mean, obviously not Yuji Nagata because he's like, he's old, like not like all Japan gives him a long reign because they want to establish him as someone for like the long term. But like same with like Jake Lee or Sonata, like I don't get the feeling of either of them that like this, these long reigns that they're getting are to like establish for them. It's more like their placeholder title. Like maybe transition is the wrong word. Like I think placeholder is the better word. Like, they're placeholder champions while the promotions get the guys ready that they actually, like, want to, like, build around in the long term. Like, Sonata is, like, holding this belt until, like, after the G1, but, like, like I don't think there's a chance he goes into, like, Wrestle Kingdom as champion. And then, like, same with Jake Lee. It's very clear. Like, he gets to keep that belt for a while longer, and then he loses it to whoever, like, wins the N1. And that's, like, a bit sooner because the N1 winner, like, gets a shot, like, soon after the N1. So in September, he's going to lose that belt. Uh, so like, I think it's very interesting that like all three of the promotions involved in here have champions that are like in no way, shape or form, even close to being considered the top guys in the promotion. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Why do you think that is with Jake? Lee? I mean, because it wasn't too long ago that people were, were it felt like were very high on. Um, and the fact that he's kind of, is it just the fact that like it, it took so long or they just, they don't have any confidence in him? Like, what do you think the story is there? I mean, Jake Lee is another one of those guys where he's, for better or for worse, been following him since the start. And he's kind of become like the unofficial mascot of the Emerald Flow show where uh, I may, uh, when he left all Japan and all indications at that point seem to be that he wants to go to new Japan. Uh, I made a, basically I made a super cut of us talking about him on the Emerald Flow show, which again, we're not, we've, we haven't been going for that long. So really it was just a super cut of us talking about Jake Lee in one year. It was already enough for me to basically, I made a video and then I put, uh, don't you forget about me by the simple minds underneath oh. it. And then we put that on the, uh, on the voice of wrestling YouTube. <laughs> nice. uh, there, there was enough content there for a three minute video with the full song going and us just because. I think Jake Lee is a guy all Japan clearly lost like confidence in him. And I think for good reason too, because they tried with him a lot of times. And I think he just never really connected at that level that they wanted to. And I don't think he's bad or I don't think he's a guy you can't push at all. But he, I think he clearly showed that he isn't a guy that is a top of the level guy. Like he just doesn't show that fire. He doesn't have that connection. He has his fans, definitely, for sure. You can say that. But, like, again, like, I think it's very similar to Sonata, where he just doesn't connect at that next level. Like, where he, he is a guy you can push. Like, you give him this kind of title reign to establish him as a guy that is, like, an upper mid-card gatekeeper. That's his role. And that's what would have been his role in all Japan. And I think that's why he chose to leave. Because either he thinks he's better than that, or he might have also just been like, well, I can do that same role in another promotion and get paid more money. And I think he's right about that. Because I think that's ultimately where he will slot in in like Noah as well. Because I think probably he could have still done that in All Japan, but All Japan buried him on the way out more or less. Like, Like he, when he won the title for the second time, the Triple Crown, he lost it immediately in his first defense to Sawama in really embarrassing fashion. Right. And then at the like anniversary show, he like got dropped out to Nomura in 30 seconds. So like at that point, like they probably knew he was leaving. So they were just like, ah, fuck this. Like we're just like going to use him to like get other people over. But yeah, I, I think like once he loses the like JHC title, they're still like, gonna keep him in an upper mid-card role and like but that's gonna be his ceiling and but i also think like to his credit he has done a good job of getting like the good looking guys over like for example tadasuke and yohei they're like the 
junior tag, tag, tag champions. And they've done a good job with that belt where they just have these kind of crazy, like sloppy spot fast matches, which work really well for those two guys, which are just a ton of fun where they put those on like smaller shows and they're like really liven up the card and all of that. So that's what he, and he's like a good like mouthpiece for them. Like same with like Jack Morris is in that faction and he like has done a good job of like helping him get over. And like, for example, like Anthony Green is another guy that like, I'm generally like, yeah, Anthony Green is fine, but he's been a ton of fun to know as well. So like Jake has a good jo- done a good job with those guys. So he has been a net positive, like for all of the like clowning I'd like to do on Jake. Like, I think he has been a net positive and his reign has been like, aside from the match where he won it with Kaito, which I don't think was really all that good. I think he, his matches have delivered otherwise. So he has been serving well in a role that he is expected to serve, which is a placeholder while the promotion figures out what to do next. Same as another, really. Like I said, I think they're very comparable. Mm-hmm. About a week, week or two ago, I had a dream that the G1 field was announced. And it was three blocks of 50 wrestlers in each block. And I shared that to Voices of Wrestling Slack. And then Joe Lanza commented underneath saying, Jake Lee's still left out. Yes. No, yeah, obviously would be. Like, it, like, it's such a meme at this point because he was openly angling to be in the G1. And then he was still doing that after the G1 blocks already got announced last year. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You're just actually making yourself look like the biggest geek. And then I think soon after... All Japan just like dropped, started dropping him out mercilessly, which I think when he decided to leave. And then again, the rumors that floated around when he left All Japan was like, oh yeah, it's because he's going to pop in uh, into like, it, he's going to pop up in, uh, in New Japan now. And like I said, I made this whole goodbye video and then he pops up in Noah <laughs> immediately. I'm like, motherfucker, I already like you. <laughs> can't get rid you. of this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's just literally like, it's like, I think someone in the Voice of Wrestling Discord posted a meme of like uh, Mo throwing out Barney out of the barn and Barney popping up behind him. But it was me and Gerard and then Jake Lee was Barney. It's just, yeah, that, that's exactly what that felt like. Like we just tossed him out and then he just goes over to the other promotion. It's like, okay, like what are we doing here? And like the other thing apparently, so like the story around that was apparently that Tajiri who also left all, all Japan, was the guy that told Jake that he could get into New Japan. But, like, at that point, Yuji Nagata was already hanging around All Japan. So why did Jake believe Tajiri that he could get into New Japan if, you know, the guy that runs the New Japan dojo is right there? Why don't you ask him if you can get into New Japan? Like, it's just such a baffling situation where, like, you have this guy that is in no way, shape, or form involved with New Japan. It's like, oh, yeah, no, totally, you can get into New Japan. You should leave all Japan. While the guy that runs the dojo is probably just sitting in the corner of the same locker room, not reacting at all. And, like, maybe you should pick up on that hint. But, like, clearly Jake didn't. So... Well, yeah. I mean, in all fairness, maybe Eugene, I, get to- I was going to say, in all fairness, Joel, um, Jake Lee called me to see if you can get him in New Japan, and I was like, I'll see what I can do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> was asking for pastrami sandwich. Super J class. He won't even have one here. Right? <laughs> Seriously, no joke. 
All right, uh, we're into business end of the card now. We've got a six-man tag team match, the junior heavyweight showcase match, where we had Amakusa, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Hiromi Takahashi defeating Hayata, Master Wato, and Rising Hayato. So I would say, for me, again, as the, the casual fan, Rising Hayato was the standout for this one. He really caught my eye, just like the whole uh, twink aesthetic. Is that the correct <laughs> use of the word twink? He had yeah, yeah. big twink energy, and, and I liked it. I thought he looked really good here. And... Apparently, Hiromu would like a match with him. And I think this collaboration between the companies, Hiromu really needs this if he is heading towards this 12 record-breaking defences and he wants to keep it interesting. Because obviously, we've got Yamato lined up. He's mentioned defending against someone with the initial F. That could be Fujita Jr. Hayato. Now he's talking about rising Hayato on top of that. And you know maybe we've got Mike Bailey and Titan defences coming up. Maybe even Tatsumi Fujinami. Apparently, there was talk of that after the uh, tradition show at the back end of last year. So, yeah, it, it's good to see Hiromu sort of trying to line up interesting opponents for himself across multiple promotions. But, yeah, I would say Rising Hayato was the the standout mm-hmm. person that I, I caught my eye here. Yeah, no, he, he is really good. And if you're interested in, like, seeing more of him and what he can do, I would recommend you go back to the All Japan show from March 14th where uh, Nuruki Doi defended the junior title against Rising Hayato. And that, uh, I think I went four and a half on that one, four and a half stars. That one was really, really good. That was also the best match of Nuruki Doi's title reign. Like that title reign in general was really good. Like all of the title defenses delivered, but that was by far the ma- uh, like the best match of that. And yeah, Hayato is someone that he is like him and Atsuki are really like the two guys that are going to be carrying the all Japan junior division going forward. Uh, and they're already like kind of established as rivals as well. So makes sense that like Atsuki got the pin on him here. So that way you also get like all Japan gets the win and the loss. So I guess that balances out nicely. So though I, I thought this match was really, really good. I think even Hayata like carried his end because I'm not a big fan of Hayata. I think he stinks. So I think he really was kind of a clear step below like the other guys in the match. But no, I think that Am- Amaxa, like Atsuki and Hiromo, like that's a great like six man like team. That's a great like three man team. Like I think they want to do any kind of crossover going forward, like having these guys kind of like run wild a bit and some form of like combination, like that's going to be a ton of fun. Like especially Amaxa because he's so underrated. Like he, like he is a bit older, like, but like he's so good. What are the chances? Give me a, give me a on a scale of one mm-hmm. to ten, with ten being it's a, it's a lock, and one being there's no absolute no fucking chance that we see any of those guys that participated uh, in the this multi man tag wind up in Philadelphia at the Junior All Stars. Okay. So I think you're almost a lock, right? I think you're almost a lock. Okay, sure. All right, one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, anybody else. I think Atsuki I could see, but he is the junior champion. So, like, I don't know if All Japan actually wants to send him over because he probably has to, like, take some falls. I think Rising Hayato, now that he has been called out by Hiromo, I think, can probably maybe put him at, like, seven or an eight, I think. Because okay. I think he's pretty likely. I think Vato, I would almost call a lock. I would maybe put him at a nine or an eight, maybe at, at worst. I don't think Hayata's going to be there. I'd rather hope not, but I guess maybe like a two or a three. 
and Maxa again, like I, because I think Hiromo is like very heavily involved, right, in like booking this. So I would maybe put a Maxa at like five, six, or a seven because he's also not really like I think it's more likely than not that he's going to be there. But I also wouldn't call him like a super lock as well. I think it depends if Noah wants to send him over. But they're also not really doing anything with him right now. So I think they can like afford to send him elsewhere for like a little bit at least. I don't know. I felt felt the intention for that show was more a showcase for the American, like North American and, and, and Central American junior stars. So I was thinking that's going to be more sort of US-based partners, whether that's Impact, AW, CMLL, uh, rather than seeing guys from other Japanese promotions. But I could be wrong there, but uh, I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, let's talk about the main event, which uh, I thought was a really fun match, six-man tag match with Kazuchika Okada. Keno and Yuma Aoyagi defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Kento Miyahara. So for me, you know, based just on the crowd reception alone, Kento Miyahara felt like the biggest star on his team. Yeah. Like the only guy in the match who really felt that he could match the, the aura of Okada. And you know, I suppose a big takeaway from this is the fact that this Okada Kiyomiya thing is still cooking. We had you know, Okada throwing Kiyomiya into the Noah fans. Like, that feud is absolutely not done. Um, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, I I don't know if he is actually cooked or if he's just trying to give the impression that he's cooked, but he did look like a clear several steps below everyone else in this match, which did make me feel a bit sad. So we'll get on to talking about Kaito Kiyomiya in a moment, but uh, what were your thoughts on the main event, Paul? I thought the main event was really good. I mean, just look at the lineup here. Like These are six of the best wrestlers in the world like if you make a lineup of the best like if you make like basically a top six of the best wrestlers in the world and this is your top six i think you can make that argument i think unfortunately tanahashi is probably the most controversial pick out of that at this point but i think otherwise i think that's actually a reasonable argument you can make so yeah they delivered on that like i said this was again another one of those matches where it became apparent that everyone works hard because these guys can very easily just coast on their charisma and just kind of everyone has so many signature spots out of these guys. That's literally, you could have just filled the match with that and called it a day. But I think they still like try to get a story going here. And like, yeah, I think, yeah, I agree as well. Kento was the one that shown the most here because if you can go in there and you can get, you can rival Okada chance that's a massive achievement, especially if you consider the difference in size between the two promotions. Like Kento is a star. Like I think every time Kento is anywhere, it's clear Kento is a star. And he just has all of the charisma in the world. Like even if a crowd doesn't know who he is, he manages to get over with them like instantly. Because him just like he gets people to chant his name and they will chant his name whether they want to or not, like actually something All Japan did when cheering came back is they literally had Kento come out f as the first person on the show. Like the Kento match wasn't the main event. It was the opening match. And Kento, like he has his, his gimmick is basically he comes out first. Like no matter who else he is, is in there, he comes out first. If he's the champion, he still comes out first. Like for like his Triple Crown matches, when he defends the Triple Crown, he comes out first because he wants people to chant his name because 
it is kind of a heelish gimmick, like where he is just this like shit, like egoistical, like like ego cent, like he's completely egocentric. The world revolves around Kento Miyahara, and he will get the crowd to chant his name. Where, like for example, all of his tag team partners have turned on him, and all of it was like. Every time his tag team partner has turned on him, it was fully deserved, and yet he is still able to like make have this work as a face act, despite the fact that in theory it's a complete heel act. But I think that's really a testament to just how charismatic he is. Would you would you go so far as to say that Kenta Miyahara is the uh, the top guy outside of maybe New Japan top guys? Yeah, I, I think that's actually very easily easy to say because he recently popped up on a Noah show, which was that Yo- uh, which was that Noah Yokohama Arena show where they turned down the lights so much that it basically happened in complete darkness. Where we thought they that they actually light up to get to that kind of embarrassing number that they drew, but it turns out they just completely wrongly priced that show, and no one said. All of them sat in like the upstairs bleachers and no one sat on the floor, which is hilarious. Uh, but he came out and he got the biggest, like this was like his first time in Noah ever, really. Not not ever, not ever. Like I think he was there like earlier when it was still like diamond ring times. But this was his first time in Noah in like a really long time. And he got a massive reaction and canto chance, so, like bigger than any of the Noah wrestlers on the show, which that's a bad sign for Noah, but... That's also just a massive testament to how much of a star he is. Do you think, and, and I don't think that promotions are hand-waving him by any stretch of the imagination. I think any promotion would be more than thrilled to have him on the mm-hmm. roster. But do you think with him that he is satisfied in doing what he's doing, maybe being the big fish in the small pond? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you see him kind of branching off and saying, hey, you know what? My time is is limited and I got to make the most money I can. I'm going to jump ship. I think if it ever happens, this kind of coming like January, so because that's when like contract season is in Japan, right? That's when it's the most likely. I don't see him going to New Japan because, like, I, I think he would do well there. But also, like, New Japan very clearly wants to push, like, right, their own young guys. And he is 34. So, like, he is in his prime, but also, like, that's probably not, like, that doesn't really seem to be the way New Japan is going right now. But I wouldn't be shocked if Noah does make a play for him because they need someone because they just don't have, like, and I think he fits really well. I think he's someone that, like, while they try and get other people ready, while they try to build, like, a young generation or whatever from basically nothing, I think if you bring in Kento right now at, like, 35, I think he is by that time, uh, yeah, I don't remember when his birthday is. So, like, if he's, like, 34, 35 or whatever, like, you have, like, you can, like, basically have Kanto run on top for, like, five, six, seven years or whatever, however long you need to, like, get the next people ready. And also because I think, like I said earlier, all Japan is also kind of transitioning a bit out of the Kanto era as well. 
But like a few years ago, if Kendo leaves, that promotion is dead. Right. Like, I think it's still bad for them if he leaves because he's still unequivocally like their biggest draw. But they get, they are getting the Yumas ready. Like, and I think, for example, Yuma Aoyagi, like, I think he was like a credible guy there. Like, I don't think he was a guy that like looked like he didn't belong there. Like, I don't think he was like a guy that got buried there or anything. Like, I think he fit right in. And for example, on like some of the like smaller like Shin Kiba shows or whenever like Kento and Yuma are like in the ring, Yuma is actually the one that gets the bigger chance from the All Japan crowd now. So mm-hmm. like he is there. So like if he can, and he, act, I think recently, like, like Atsuki Iyoyagi is actually his younger brother. So uh, th- I think it makes a ton of sense for All Japan to just go and be like the Aoyagis are what carries us now. And I think recently like a couple of months ago like all japan also said that like they are the top merch sellers in the promotion now so they're outselling kento on merch too hmm. so if it happens i think now feels like the time for him to do it like he can take that back from noah be the top star in noah because even if he goes to i think he would be a credible like iwgp like world heavyweight champion i yeah. think he could get there but just because New Japan, I don't think that's the direction that they're going in because they want to push their own guys. So I think if he just goes to know, it's just a safer thing for him to just be that top guy. And that's a massive cap in his feather if he actually is the guy that like actually like causes another Noah boom. I mean, that would, that would be lovely. I mean, but I, I'll bring up two names. You know, you got Shingo and Kenta and, and guys that are, that are New Japan at least. Hasn't been afraid of before, and even Sonata, of bringing in Kota guys who have, yeah, that have a little bit of mileage on them, um, just as established. Ishimori, star. yeah, Ishimori as well. So, I mean, there there is a there is a little bit of a history there. All right, Joel. Well, look. Speaking of jumps, let's talk Kaito Kiyomiya, <laughs> who is being featured quite prominently. In New Japan, there was a, a featured interview with him on the New Japan website. Obviously, he's in the Grade One climax. He's announced that he's not going to be in the N One. Now, I'm not saying that this is a soft jump to New Japan, but if I were going to design a soft jump to New Japan, this is what it would look and sound like. So, can you help us make sense mm-hmm. of this from your perspective? Is this like what percentage is this? going to end up with mm-hmm. Kaito Kiyomiya working for New Japan Pro Wrestling and like signing a contract with him. I mean, there seem to be people that are like convinced that this is a jump and I am not super convinced that it really is. I mean, we've seen something exactly like this that looked like a soft jump and then it wasn't one, which was Kojima last year, where Kojima pops up in Noah, he wins the title and then he's in the N1 and all of that and he like wins the tag titles and it very much seemed like, okay, so definitely once like contract season rolls around at the beginning of the year, we're going to be told that like Kojima has signed a contract with Noah now and he's going to stay there. And then that never happened and he left Noah and now he's in all Japan and he's still signed with new Japan. So like, I think there is a chance that this is a jump by Kiyomiya where like New Japan has been like whispering in his ear and it's just like, hey, come in. And the, again, like if we're talking about like them wanting to push younger guys, like could Kaito Kiyomiya fits in perfectly with that? Like Kaito is still only like, what, 
like 26. Yeah, he's 26 years old. So uh, if you want to bring him in, like he al- like he's already kind of does everything. He's already kind of done everything really in Noah in a way, as weird as that sounds. Because like he's already, I think, like number seven in terms of like all time, like JHC champions. Like he's already held that belt for like 500 days. He's already a two-time, like he won the Global League and he won the N1. So I kind of get it from that perspective where it's like maybe he wants to go somewhere else and challenge himself. Um, and then maybe also get some more like consistent booking as well, like more consistent, strong booking than he would get in, in Noah. Like when New Japan is just like, yeah, we're, we're going to like feature you prominently, like permanently, and we're not going to like job you out to any like, 50 year old guys or whatever. So like I can, I maybe I understand like that there was some frustrations on that part for him that he is more like, Oh yeah, I kind of want to like go to like new Japan now, but then from the Noah perspective, why would they allow that? Right. There's nothing really in that for Noah. Why would they allow him then to be in the G1 and just kind of fuck off and then, they're even more fucked than they are like now, because at least now with Kaito, they have someone there, someone young there in the heavyweight division that they can like push and put the title on and everything. Like that doesn't benefit them at all. And the other thing as well, like a lot of like the other jumps to New Japan of like more established guys, they were about money. Because you can earn more money in New Japan. And I don't, like, like I said earlier, a beamer is bigger than Bushi Road. So like and Noah like made a ton of money on that Mudo show. So if it was actually like a bidding contest, if it was about the money, I'm not saying New Japan couldn't win if they just kind of go all in, but that probably would mean they would have to like cut some guys because I don't think their finances are like I don't think they're in trouble, but I also don't think that like they would have to go like really hard if they wanted to actually be able to like compete with a Noah that is like dead set on signing a guy. And how deep do you think uh, Kaito goes in the G1? I think it's going to the final. I think the way this is kind of set up for me, I don't think he's winning. I think what they're doing here is, uh, I think he's actually, I also don't think he's winning his block actually, funnily enough. I think he's coming in second in his block. I think he loses to Yota Suji. I think he loses to like Shuta Umino. And then we're going to get, and I'm, I'm already not looking forward to all of the like Kaito is a geek jokes that are going to be made after that. Like I think he's beating Chase Owens, but it's losing to those two. But I think he's running the table after that, including like beating Sonata and then just like he's beating um, Renarita on the final night. And who's the other person in the block? Uh, there's Gabe Kidd as well. Oh yeah, he's, he's obviously beating Gabe Kidd. So, and then I think he's winning his quarterfinal against whomever, and then he's beating Okada in the semifinal. I think that's what this whole thing is building up to, because I think that just it just makes too much sense. Like he gets his win back in a big spot because I think a G1 semifinal is a big spot. He gets his win back there. Okada loses nothing from that, obviously. I think Kaito really massively benefits from that. And then he just loses the G1 final to whoever is winning the G1. And he loses nothing from that. I think that is a way you can book that where everyone like is happy with it afterwards. 
like regardless of what Kaito, if Kaito actually does jump to New Japan or if Kaito just stays in Noah, I think it's a way to book him in a tournament where like he gets over, he benefits from it massively and just beating Okada, I think that's the way to go really. And then you can run this back at Wrestle Kingdom as well if you want to do like a full series and then he still loses the feud overall, but I think just beating him in that big spot is something that he benefits from. A very important question here from Boost Epicord. He says, what does Kiyomiya need to do to regain the trust of the desperate housewives portion of the family? So if you're making it to the G1 final, would uh, I think, I think it would, yeah. I think I think that also prevents them from like, I don't, because that was a scary situation because that type of fan also in Japan, um, uh, let's just say, good thing that woman didn't have a knife. Let's like, you know, like that, that wouldn't be the first time that happened. That wouldn't be the first time that happened to a wrestler. Uh, because like we all know the Tanahashi story so like it's definitely I think that definitely like gets them regained the, the trust of the, of the desperate housewives of Japan so and I think he needs that as well because that's a really big fan base that buys a lot of merch <laughs> I think all Japanese promotions have kind of figured that out that that's actually a group that you can target that like is going to come to your shows and buy your tickets and buy your merch like there was a shot recently from a all japan fan club where there were a lot of women there for you maya and Zayant, like rising hayato and the Aoyagis. so all right uh, george says out of nowhere in all japan which promotion made the biggest impact for you and more likely to watch in the future from altogether and which wrestler would you want to bring over to new japan from one of the promotions and Andrew says famous Man City fan Kazuchika Okada has suggested transfers between wrestling promotions like football has after watching all together again is there anyone you'd like to see New Japan put in a bid for and anyone you'd like to see them try and offload so I mean people that I was impressed by and caught my eye were Inamura and Kitamiya I uh, like the Axis guys um, Yuma Anzai as we talked about Rising Hayato uh, both uh, Al Yagi's uh, Omori was great as well. I like the look of Chris Ridgeway, but if I had to pick one to be signed to New Japan, as I said before, it would be Kento Miyahara because I think New Japan are doing a good job in stocking talent for the future, but I think we're sort of lacking in big stars for today, as you know we can see by comparing the reaction of a crowd to uh, Kento Miyahara as the crowd would react to uh, Sanada. And it's night and day there. But uh, Damon, what about you? Who, who stood out to you from these shows? And if you could had to pick one or two names to for New Japan to hypothetically sign, who would you have them snap yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you in the sense that th- th- I don't think there's a bigger star outside of uh, a New Japan ring than Kenta Miyahara. Uh, like, he is... A total package um and you're right in the sense that here's here's what i would really like like i know that we have this little bit of a love affair with bringing in and everyone bringing in aew talent everything's aew talent bring in this guy bring in that guy bring in this guy to me there is more long-term benefit um with a guy like Kenta Miyahara than say, I don't know, whomever from AEW, you know, um, I Adam do, Cole. 
Adam uh, minus Adam Cole, of course. Adam, <laughs> minus Adam Cole, of course. Uh, but to me, there's that that's that's instant instant top of the card kind of stuff that will have a major, major impact. Um yeah, I mean, I, I I hate to say it, but head and shoulders above just about every, everyone else, um, aside from guys that already have programs with New Japan guys. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time, Paul. A very comprehensive breakdown of both uh, the All Together Again show and the state of New Japan and All Japan right now. Um, anything else you want to add? And, and your plugs, please. Yeah. So... Uh... If I mean, obviously, this is going to pop up on the ML Flow Show feed as well. But if you're listening to this on the Super Jcast feed or on the Voice of Wrestling feed and you don't already listen to us, uh, I'm hosting the uh, ML Flow Show together with the Right Trollio, where, yes, we're breaking down all Japan and Noah uh, mainly. Uh, we're also every once in a while kind of dipping kind of in, into our toes into the wider poro scene as well. I've recently gone back in gotten back into big japan uh which i'm very happy about because i've kind of i was a really big fan of big japan like a few years ago kind of fallen out of it a bit and now i'm back in so uh, so we're gonna cover that one a bit as well and like whenever something big happens in like ddt or great uh we talk about that as well uh yeah so and you can follow us on like all of the like main like social medias as well so you can find us on the like uh, ml flow show on twitter you can find us on instagram you can find us on mastodon as well but i'm actually not really active active all that much on instagram and mastodon to be quite honest and gerard is the one that runs the twitter account so really the main one if you want to keep up i guess there and then the voice of wrestling discord where we kind of generally chat when shows are going on or something happens on those two promotions and yeah otherwise I really like the show. I'm excited about the future of all Japan, and I'm. I mean, I I like. Let, let me put it this way: I enjoy Noah because the roster is really, really good. It's just they don't really have a long-term plan, and we'll see if they can figure that one out. All right, fantastic. Uh, thank you again, Paul. Uh, Super Jcast listeners, you can stick around, and Damon and I will be discussing the blocks and the schedules for the Grade One Climax, but. Uh, We'll just like to say thank you again, Paul, and uh, hopefully get to chat to you again in the future. See you soon. Bye-bye. Well, back in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, there was a show today from Chiba, my favourite venue, the Makahari Messi International Conference Hall 1. It's the one that looks a bit like an airport lounge with, you can see people going up and down the stairs in the background. Uh, This one was notable for one match, I would say. If you're going to go out of your way to check out one match, it would be the tag team match between the War Dogs, Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd against Goto and Oiwa. So I saw the War Dogs looked tremendous in this one. Alex Coughlin is built like an absolute brick shithouse. Like the, the physical shape this guy is in is unbelievable. Like it is breathtaking, the, the absolute state of this man. And just his scary eyes. He reminds me of Dan the Beast Severin. A bit of a deep cut there, but um, I'm definitely getting those vibes from him. But Gabe Kidd, man, I'm so high on this guy. I like I'm, I, It looks like he's got himself sorted out and he's he's healthy, you know, mentally healthy and ready to go. I think he's got it all, man. Like he, his striking is vicious. His promos are, are as vicious as his striking is. Like there's just a real swagger and sort of vitriol behind everything he does. 
I'm just really excited about this tag team. And it's been made official now that at the Independence Day shows, they're going to face Bishamon twice. Night one, I think, is going to be for the strong tag titles and night two for the IWGP tag titles. So mm. I'm really excited about that. They just bring that sort of wild, violent, Gaikokujin energy that Killer Elite Squad did. Uh, and you know, I'm not comparing them as workers, but there's that same sort of vibe of like these two scary foreign dudes who are going to come here and fuck shit up. And you know, this is not a, a particularly hot venue. Like it's sometimes trying to get blood out of a stone with um, that crowd. But they got some quite notable heat from the fans there, who were you know booing them and shouting Kaire. And uh, I just think that is one that you should definitely go out of your way to see, especially if you are sort of on the fence about this sort of War Dogs iteration of the Bullet Club, because watching that, I was just like, yeah, these guys are the real deal. I'm not saying they're going to win all the belts immediately, but I was very encouraged by what I saw and excited for what both of them have to offer in the Grade 1 Climax. No doubt. No, no doubt. It's, i tell you what, uh, Alex Coughlin, he, he mentioned Dan Severn. Um, and fun fact, uh, Dan Severn has a picture of me on his wall. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> he made it. He made it clear uh, when I saw him a couple of years ago uh, that he's still serious. Had- I swear to God, I swear. I went up and okay, I, ended- I need some details here. All right. So he used to work a ton of uh, Dennis Carluzzo shows that we were always on, and uh, he loved our gimmick. He thought we were the the wackiest thing on earth. Uh, and, and again, this is the height of Dan Severn in NWA and UFC and all that. So um, he came up to us and he, like, we would talk to him all the time uh, when he was on shows. And then uh, he got a an eight by ten. We had eight by tens, and he and he, and he we gave him one. And he uh, so years years later, this is probably like about two years ago, maybe three. Um, he's in Philadelphia at uh, one of those wrestling convention things and. I go up and I go, I don't know if you remember me, Dan, uh, blah, blah, blah. He goes, Madonna Wayne. And uh, yeah, he's like, I still got a picture of you guys on my wall in my gym. I was like, what? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. So yes, that is a true story. Um, I get I get Rick Steiner vibes. I get Rick Steiner, like early Rick Steiner, not necessarily later in his years, but like early I, 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 that's, that's the vibe I get. So yes, I'm totally 100% into this. And dare I say, uh, uh this version of bullet club. Uh, and also the main event, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was one of those elimination matches, but it was Yota Suji who closed the show and very deliberately positioned in all the poses right in the middle of LIJ as if yeah. he were the leader. And there were just some little looks between, him and Naito, there is something brewing there and something that I dare say may lead to January 4th. I don't know what for, but that's, that's just the vibes I'm getting. Like, I don't think that's just going to happen without issue that Suji sort of walks in and is like, hey, I'm the man here. But still, you know, not for nothing, closing the show in his, what, his first show post-Dominion. Uh, so that's two main events out of two for him. It's It's... We're cooking with Yota Suji. Well, you're, cer- well, you're certainly cooking, and yes, I do agree, a thousand percent that uh, uh, something's a-, a brewing. Something's a brewing there. All right, uh, let's get into the G1 climax blocks then. So, first thing to note here is that the time limit has been reduced for these block matches. So, we've got four blocks of eight, 
And instead of 30-minute time limits, it's 20-minute time limits. Mm. And we are doing double block nights all the way through until August 5th. So it's going to be A and B block together and C and D block together. So for most of this tour, you're going to get eight block matches on each card um, with 20-minute time limits. And the format has changed as well. So the top two from each block are going to go through to quarterfinals. Uh, which is the first time we've seen quarterfinals since 2004. So it will be the winner of A against the runner-up of C, winner of B against runner-up of D, winner of C against runner-up of B, and winner of D against the runner-up of A. So that makes it very difficult to predict, you know, even looking at the final block nights, which are going to be single block nights, the block finals. But looking at those, it's not like, oh, okay, well, obviously the winner of this match is going to go through. There's some of that, but it just makes it a lot more unpredictable. And like, personally, I love it. Like the time limit, I think is great. It's going to make the matches a lot snappier, a lot more of a sense of urgency. I like having the double block nights together because it means those, you know, the trash matches. If we're looking at like, I don't know, a, a Mikey Nichols against Evil match, that's probably only going to go five minutes. So the matches you're worried about are probably going to be very, very brief. So I just, I'm really happy with the um, structural changes to the G1 this year. A thousand percent. Yep. Um, I tell you what, I was super excited with the idea of shaving off time. Um, Cause you're right. I, I feel like the, the matches that deserve the full 20 are going to get it. And matches that necess- mo- that don't necessarily need that. There's really no need to extend it out. Um, every show is going to be exciting. Every show is going to have meaty stuff to, to sink your teeth into. Um, and 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 adding that wild card of, you know, A1 versus C2 and B1 block against the D2 block, that like that makes it a little bit more interesting and gives a, a little bit more stakes um to, to keep yourself interested and focused on it uh it, it it may cause dave Meltzer's brain to explode and when he tries to figure out the math of who's in and who's out, he might he might pass out uh trying to figure that out but uh and, that, and don't dm me dave i don't know either <laughs> right right uh so that aside uh, i think it it's shaping up to be a real fun summer yeah, so I mean, I, I know some people might look at the blocks and be disappointed that they wanted a particular match, that oh, I wanted to see X versus Y, or, you know, we're not going to see this guy tested against the top names. If you think this is a wrestler who's going to go deep in the tournament, then you've got to look beyond their block, because if they do well and get out of that, then they're looking at at least one other match, possibly two, maybe even three, if they make it all the way to the final. So um, I think people are sort of struggling to get their head around the idea that it's two people going through rather than one, which opens up a lot more possibilities beyond just the seven other guys that they're paired up with in their block. So um, let's get on to the blocks then. So again, we're not going to do like a full comprehensive breakdown because we've got, what, five weeks until the tournament starts, but we'll just give brief thoughts on each block. So A block, we'll have the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sanada. We've got Shota Umino, Ren Narita, Yota Suji, Hikuleo, Chase Owens, Gabe Kidd, and Kaito Kiyomiya. So this is a really interesting one because we've got all the young guns together. We've got Shota, Ren, Suji, Hikuleo, Gabe Kid, Kiyomiya. And a lot of people thought or were hoping that they would be paired off against Okada because Okada is so fun to watch when he uh, seems to hate the Zoomers and enjoys beating the shit out of them. But it's not. It's Sanada who's been paired up against them. So I will say this is really interesting. It shows a great deal of trust and faith in Sanada to be the one who is going to be guiding these kids through uh, in, in these big high-profile high matches. And 
and again, what I said before, just because these guys, because Okada is not in this block, it doesn't mean that Okada is not going to face these guys in the tournament. So whoever goes through, they very well may be facing Okada. I think it would likely be the semifinals where they would meet him, but that's not off the table. And I think that's also quite an interesting tell that maybe they're being kept apart from Okada for a reason. They, the company may be viewing Okada against Shota or Okada against Ren or Okada against Suji as protected matches. These are matches that they might be looking at and circling and thinking, right, you know, this could be a, you know, King of Pro Wrestling main event or, or a Dominion main event or a New Beginning main event or whatever. So I think not for nothing, uh, Okada has been kept away from these guys in this block. So uh, I think this is a really interesting one, having all the young guns together with Sonata. What, what do you recommend? Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, the the way that the the, the you know, second place person in each block, you know, right now it's uh, what? A1 versus A block winner versus C block second place. And uh, A block second place versus D1 first place. So to me, it's, it, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that's an intentional move to keep, guys like Osprey and Okada away from from certain talent until if if the finals uh occurs you know that that's a possibility but they're saving that for a big ticket event so um yeah I don't think there's any 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 not to say that there's no surprise in that but um looking at it it does seem like that's the case there's a really interesting quote from a Yotosuji interview where he says, uh, New Japan, something I don't get. Why am I an A block? Why with these guys, the Shibata knockoff, the green guy, a guy who came back from England and thinks he's cool. I'm here to make this whole thing bigger. Don't stand in my way. Get it? You kids with these stupid old ideas are in my way. So I think that's sort of the mission statement for this block. This is the sink or swim block. We're throwing all these young guys together and saying, right, you figure it out. Let's see you know, the cream is going to rise to the top here, both in a kayfabe sense and, and in a real sense, because they're, they're kind of throwing these guys to the walls and not all of them are going to knock it out of the park. And so I'm really interested to see who is going to stand out, both in terms of who's actually accumulating the points and who is um, impressing people with their performances and their confidence. Because this is very, very bold, long-term thinking from New Japan to put all these young guys together. Because I think this is, you know, potentially setting the table for feuds for the next five to 10 years for this company. You know, we could be looking, uh, you know, seven years down the line, a big feud between, I don't know, Gabe Kid and Yota Suji, and we're looking back on their match in the G1 and how this sort of kicked off their their rivalry. So I'm not, this is not necessarily the first time all of these guys have met, but definitely the most high profile match between them so far. And I think there's a, a very bold intentionality from the booking to, to put them all together. Right, and we haven't even mentioned Kiyomiya. Yeah. It's you know to me that's the wild card. That's that's the that's the curveball. Um, if if you know if we're kind of pushing toward, I mean, the I we're pushing toward a lot of things. We're pushing toward a lot of, of possibilities um, between you know that the Noah involvement, the the the, the pushes of Shota and Red Narita. And and Yota Suji and uh, you know that block might be the most in- interesting block just to see where it goes. 
Like, what direction are they going to go in? Um, and I think A, block is a huge tell in that in the next year, two years. And you're right, probably three years and beyond. Do we want to give little predictions now? Just sort of go to your heads off the top of your head. Give me a one and two to go through from that block. I'll say uh, Yoda Suji and... Sonata. Ah, so we're not we're not putting Kaito through then. No, no. Uh, it's so difficult to pick. I, ah, I don't know. I'll go. I'll go. Sonata and Kiyomiya. Okay, I'm going to be boring to pick that. I mean, look, he would be my second pick. Um, yeah, I, I, and and here's the thing too. It's like. I would, I would kind of rather see him move on because I do want to see the Okada match um, in a big spotlight. So, I mean, I would want that, but yeah, I, I just see Sonata and uh, and Yodosuji. Okay, B block. Then we've got Okada, Yoshihashi, Tangaloa, El Fantasmo, Taichi, Will Ospreay, Great Okan, and Kenta. So. If A block is the young guns block, B block, I feel, is the block of guys in their prime. And it's very hard to look past Okada and Osprey as the guys go through. But El Fantasma is sort of lurking there as a bit of a wild card. So I would not be stunned if he upsets one of those guys and goes through. But I'm just tremendously excited about the prospect of seeing ELP against Okada. Um, let and me Osprey. check, actually, where that is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's wrestled Osprey plenty of times before. Um, I, I am very excited about that one as well. But yeah, uh, July 17th, so that is the main event, Okada versus El Fantasma. So very excited to see what that one looks like. Um, tai Chi, I mean, always fan of a tai, uh, of Tai Chi, but I feel that's you know him setting up KOPW defenses. But yeah, I would say Okada Osprey for that block with El Fantasma as a very serious wildcard threat, dark horse threat. I mean, I, I got to figure who who in that block would you main event Wrestle Kingdom? Um, and yes, I think Okada and Osprey are the easy picks, no doubt in my mind. But I do think that there's going to be some element of surprise. So, with that being said, I'll say, mm, you know what? Well, I mean, I guess my point is, is that why have him in A block, um, Kiyomiya, and and not have him go against Okada at some point during this? Um, so Okada goes through. I, I got to be honest with you. I was under the impression me personally, that Osprey was winning this thing. So it's hard for me to leave him out of the mix. But gun to my head, real quick, boom, because we've been talking for three fucking hours. Uh, I'll say Okada, Osprey. Yeah, just looking at the final block night for them, we've got ELP versus Osprey. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that one feels like it's uh, an eliminator there. So, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I think there's a, a lot of quality in that block. And then in block C, we have Tamatonga, 
Ishii, Shingo, Mikey Nichols, Hinare, Eddie Kingston, Finlay, and Evil. So this is your tough guy block. And yeah, very much looking forward to seeing uh, the Beefy Boy matches, the likes of Hinare against Eddie Kingston, just guys who are going to just whack each other really hard. I mean, I think my only question mark over this one, Damon, is how many matches in do we get with Eddie Kingston before we get the New Japan tweet with the black and white New Japan logo saying that Eddie Kingston's been forced to withdraw from the tournament <laughs> due to injury. Yeah. When we, I, I'll set the over under at five uh, and I'll take the under. Um, C block. I see honestly Finley coming out of this and I'll go with a little surprise. I'll say, Aaron Hinare. Oh, you are absolutely Hinare pilled. I love it. I mean, I really, I do think we're going to get the best out of him here because yeah. we see Hinare really shine his quality when he is against people who are not afraid to be hit hard and are not afraid to hit him hard. So Hinare Ishii, Hinare Shingo, Hinare Finlay, I think that could be a, a really good one. Hinare Kingston, like they're, they're just going to beat the piss out of each other. And it will be really good. So Hinare haters is going to be eating a lot of L's this, this uh, summer, I feel. <laughs> Getting a lot of semen on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. Uh, um, all right. So that's C block then. Uh, D block, we have Tanahashi, Goto, Yano, Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Shane Haste, Jeff Cobb, and Alex Coughlin. So that sort of combination, Tanahashi, Goto, Naito, Zach, it feels like they've been putting the same block together for the last eight years. So there's not a huge amount there to get excited about with those guys. It feels like D-Block is like the old guard. Yeah. Uh, and again, I've sort of noticed that Tanahashi's being kept away from the young guns. So again, I it, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Is this like a worry that he can't keep up with those sort of matches and he's been put against guys who can work a sort of slower pace with him? I'm not sure. Again, I could just be getting worked. Maybe Tanahashi's going to have a, a blinding tournament and he's tricked us all by pretending to be all broken down. Um, it's hard to look past Naito and Zach. Uh, Jeff Cobb, I mean, as soon as Zach's got the better of Jeff Cobb, it could be Jeff Cobb getting through at the expense of Zach. I think Shane Haste is going to surprise a lot of people here. I think people are not giving him enough credit. I did say I wanted to see Shane Haste against Yano because I think that might be the, the only funny Yano match of the tournament. And yeah, no doubt we're going to see Alex Cogman lifting Jeff Cobb at some point. But uh, if I'm picking two to go through, then hard to look past Naito and yeah, I'll say Jeff Cobb. All right, that's good. I, I'm going to go with uh, Naito as well because, again, it is hard to... Past, I'll switch it up and say, uh, Hiroki Gocho. Wow, yeah, how about That's that? Bold. He's got Zach, he's got Zach on the front the block. I say, yeah, come on now, be, be worth something there. All right, um, and again, I think you know, we talk a lot about the, the night off match, and before the blocks were announced, I had the night off guys penciled in as Yano, obviously. Evil, I think, is a night-off match because of all the shenanigans. Hikaleo, I think, is a night-off match just because it's a slower pace match where it's either him doing the big man monster spots and he's controlling the match, or it's guys attacking his knee where they're controlling it. And again, it's not a high-intensity, high-impact match. And Kenta, because Kenta's doing all the horseshit now. So 
interestingly enough, Evil, Yano, Hikolo, and Kenta are all in separate blocks. Yeah. So that's definitely lending uh, credence to my theory that they are the, the quote-unquote night-off matches. But um, there you go. We have a few questions then before we get out of here. Adam says, I feel like a lot of casual fans are underestimating this lineup. Who do you think will make the biggest impression on people? I'd say Hinari, Kid, and Coglin have the chance to really make something out of this G1. Uh, I would say Gabe Kidd. I'm sort of circling him as my guy who I think people are going to come away thinking, yeah, this guy is the truth. It's not a bad pick. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I'll say Ren Narita is going to be the um, a surprise. Not necessarily surprise, but somebody I'm circling and definitely interested in watching and seeing how he makes out in this type of environment. Like, like to me, this is a big measuring stick. All of A Block is a big measuring stick, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be taking a hard look at, uh, at Ren um, and Alex Coglum and uh, Hinare and, you know, and, and ELP. Let's be, I mean, that's, that's going to be a, that, I th- all right, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Uh, a, B, C, or D, which is your favorite block? Uh, I like A just because it's so, this guy got the fucking balls to <laughs> put all these guys together. Um, yeah, I would say A block. And I was going to ask you, actually, like, what do you think of the balance of the blocks? Are you underwhelmed by this, or do you think they've done a good job? At first, I was kind of like, oh, they're, like, all the young guys are in A block? Um but it does make sense. Um, I look. The, all this does to me is is let me know that the quarterfinals and the finals, and you know semis and finals, they're going to be great, right? You're going to get. You, trust me. You're go, everybody. Compl- you're going to get the matches that you want. It's just it's going to be at the end of the tournament. That's all. Um, and even that being said, I don't. I don't hate the the blocks at all again i was a little bit weirded out by the fact that all the the youngsters were in a block but aside from that no i mean like what were what in god's name were they complaining about now um you could have a look at the quote retweets to the lines again it's just people okay this is my measuring stick for whether or not it's a good faith opinion if it's someone who follows the Super Jcast account, right. then I will take it more seriously. If it's someone who's not following, then I think it's probably probably not a fan of New Japan. Someone probably doesn't watch New Japan regularly. So right. that's how out of control my ego is that I think if someone doesn't follow the Super Jcast on Twitter, they're probably not a proper New Japan fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're probably right. I mean, I just don't understand. Like, why isn't CM Punk in it? Ugh. I, again, nobody's uh, nobody does not want him in. It's just he, he's not going to be in. It's I don't know. I I don't get it. We're uh, trust me. We're we are good with with what we have right here. Yeah, this is the most excited I've been about a G one since. 2019. Um, anyway, more, a few more questions before we go. Sue Williams says, let's have some fun here. Sonata and Kiyomiya share a G1 block, which means Kiyomiya earning an IWGP world title shot is on the table. Give me yeah. a percentage on the likelihood of Kazuchika Okada versus IWGP world heavyweight champion Ooh. Kaito Kiyomiya at Wrestle Kingdom 18. 
Wowzers. You know, everybody's got their eye on AEW. That might be the biggest miss by a lot of people is, is, is the possibility of that program. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. You want a hot take, David? What's that? You want a hot take? Yeah. I'll, t- I'll give you this one. I love if, it. If Kiyomiya pins Sonata in this tournament, I think he's jumping. I think you, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Suit, I'll say 40%. How about that? I'll give you a 40%. Ooh, I like I love it. Uh, all right. Cola Blue says, looking at A Block, do you realistically see anyone defeating Sanada in the G1 and then winning the title from him before Wrestle Kingdom? Or is Chad Himbo Sanada going all the way to January 4th with the title? Now, look, there, again, there's the added caveat that Sanada could lose in a quarterfinal or a semi final to set up a potential title match and defeat. So yeah. the belt could change hands before Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, I would not rule it out. I mean, it's been a long time. Was it? Was it AJ Styles the last time that the, the title changed hands post G1 and, and pre Wrestle Kingdom? It's, it's been quite a long time. But I am wondering, I'm, I'm not sure about Sonata going into Wrestle Kingdom because they, they ran the Dominion main event with Sonata versus Yota Suji. Like they didn't give a shit about having to put on a main event that they thought was going to draw the biggest house possible. They put the main event that they thought made the most sense at the time and, and in terms of their long term plans. And if we're looking at Wrestle Kingdom main events and thinking like protected matches and big time matches that could sell out the dome, I don't know if there are that many that I think are, are home home runs or, or slam dunks or whatever you want to call it that New Japan haven't already run in recent history. So I'm not sure that it's safe to just hand wave Sonata and say, oh, no way he's going into Tokyo Dome with the belt because... I mean, who else is there? What are the other hot protected matches that we've got for Wrestle Kingdom? So I'm kind of 50-50 on the moment whether or not it is Sanada walking into January 4th as the champion. I'd be surprised. I really would. Um, And that's not a knock, shockingly, on Sanada. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't feel it in my bones. So I think there's a very good possibility that the match that you see at the Dome for the title would, will not involve Sonata. Um, and you're right. You want to give me a name? Who, who you think is going to take that belt off him and walk into the Dome as champion? I don't think it's going to be anyone outside of New Japan, number one, right? So I don't think it's going to be a Noah guy Winning the title. That being said, if if there is an upset, and I'll I'll put that in the air quotes, with Kiyomiya, he's a New Japan guy at that point. I, I mean, I really do think that you, you were onto something in the sense that he'll be officially under the banner. That's not a bad pick. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of in in there. Um, I think Naito still has a, 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 a big-time spot. 
against Sonata. Um, I think that's still yeah. on the table. I, I just want to add as a, a caveat. So it, it it would not necessarily have to be someone from A block. It could be, mm-hmm. but he would be potentially in the semifinals or quarters or and or semis meeting someone from C block or D block. So um, yeah, it, Naito is definitely a, a possibility there. It could be Naito versus Sonata at King of Pro Wrestling. Uh, Naito wins the belt off Sonata. Right. Um Aside from that, I mean, I guess like long shots in my mind, maybe Okada, maybe uh... no, I think it's I think that's what we're looking at. Naito um, and uh, Kimi. Could be Will Ospreay. Could be anyone. I love it. Yeah. So unpredictable, Damon. I love that we, we we're not sort of. Penciling it in already for Tokyo Dome. Uh, okay, Cola Blue says the quarterfinal and semifinal format has the potential to create some insanely great matchups. Mm-hmm. Every route I take leads to Okada versus Kiyomiya slash Umino in the semis, and then Okada Naito in the finals. First ever Okada versus Naito G1 final. So, uh, Damon, gun to your heads. Who is your grade one climax finalist for this year? Oh boy. I think it's Osprey. No, it's not Osprey. It's I think it's Naito Naito Okada probably. Yeah. Fuck, it's so hard to pick. Naito Kiyomiya. No, Naito Osprey. Osprey Kiyomiya. I don't know. I <laughs> right. cannot decide. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I mean, I, that... I need at least five more weeks to think about this. <laughs> right. 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 I need, I need until September. <laughs> I'll t- give you an answer. All right. Uh, let's knock it on the head there. So right. uh, thank you very much, Paul, for joining us earlier on. That's uh, Emerald Flow Show. You can check that out from the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast if you want to give some money to us. Discord link you can get from sending me a direct message on Twitter. And they are currently in the process of setting up uh, a truly sickening betting competition where I, I think they've tiered the all the g1 entrance into four tiers so there's like tier one tier two tier three and tier four and you have to pick one guy from each tier and whoever's combination of four wrestlers accumulates the fewest number of points there's going to be some sort of horrific forfeit for them oh. uh, so if it's yeah. anything like the last <laughs> one <laughs> <laughs> okay. i think there was some talk of um the loser has to watch and review any wrestling show chosen by, I don't know if it's chosen by the winner or chosen by consensus. And I heard some threats of making them watch Castle Attack Night One from <laughs> 2021. Uh, yeah, there's some really horrific uh, options out there, or, or the entire Summer Struggle Tour, uh, that, that legendary Yujiro Okada feud. Oh. Uh, but anyway, that's the Discord. You can get the link if you can send me a direct message on Twitter at CobraKawi and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast for our t shirts. Thank you, as always, to Editor Dan, who's on Twitter at LazyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.